Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to narrow down our 25 most anticipated movies of this year in another Writer's Room special. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writers, Huay Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Jacob's trying to trip me up by putting the order of the, the people in this in our, our show notes in a different order than I'm normally used to reading hey, them. Hey, you asked me to write it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So we're trying to put together the most anticipated movies of this year. We're 15 days in, so we uh, we may have seen some of those films. I'm not sure how that's going to work. And the other thing is we've we've kind of come we, we, like the other list we've done. We've gotten together and we've written down a list of movies that we were excited for, and we put them on a list. And we saw, and Jacob was uh, kind enough to put these in sections of like what has the most support, which ha- what has uh, you know only stragglers. Uh, naming them. Jacob, how are we going to narrow this down? Well, if you listen to our other Writer's Room specials, we're going to do it by going around in a circle and nominating films. Uh, the ones that we can sort of, uh, we think all of us want to see on the list, or more importantly, the ones we can argue onto the list. Here's what I would like to see from this episode, guys. I would like to see some of these stragglers, some of the films that only have one uh, vote only made like one person suggested it. I want to see some of those on the list because I want to hear you passionately explain why this film must be on our list. I want to hear passion. I want to, I want to, I want to see the swords come out. I want to hear blood spill on the ground. I want this to be <laughs> a, a fun time for our listeners and an awful time for us. That's what I want out of this next session, guys. Um, yeah, as Peter says, uh, we, we're coming down to a list of 25. I think there's close to 50. Maybe I think it was 51. Yeah, 51. Movies. We're, we're cutting 26 out of this list, or adding 25 to the list, however we choose to look at it. Uh, and I did put this in a couple groups. There's Universal Support, which is uh, all of us agreed. It all made our personal lists for nominating for, for the you know basic list, all the way down to uh, Outliers, where only one person said it should be on our top 25. So before we get 
into the nitty gritty here. Before we get into the actual conversations, there are eight films that received nominations from all of us. So I'm going to propose that we run down this list, explain why we're excited for each of them so listeners can have them on the radar, and then promptly usher all eight of them into our locked-in list. Does anybody disagree with this? No. No, I mean, uh, nobody should disagree with that because we all agreed (laughs) upon these movies. Uh, So I'm going to run down this, and I'll ask some of you guys to chime in. Uh, A Quiet Place Part 2 received nominations from all of us. Ben, why is A Quiet Place Part 2 one of our 25 most anticipated films of 2020? Uh, the trailer came out pretty recently, and it kind of rules. I mean, this is something, you know, John Krasinski made his big leap into the horror genre with the first A Quiet Place, and he's coming back to uh, not only direct the second one, but also write it as well. Emily Blunt is back. Uh, a lot of the main cast is back, and then, like, people like, uh, I think, Killian Murphy are added to the cast this time around. Uh, it seems to just be expanding the story that we saw in the first movie while... I, uh, from the trailer anyway, seemingly like providing a little bit of a glimpse into the actual uh, inciting incident of how the alien attack from the first film happened while also continuing the story after the events of the first film too. So um, yeah, it just, it looks like a, a really thrilling movie set in a world that we all loved from the first film. Uh, indeed. Uh, also receiving universal support from all of us, Wonder Woman 1984 HT. Why are we excited? This is Patty Jenkins' highly anticipated follow-up to Wonder Woman, which was a pop culture phenomenon and uh, a life-changing movie for me in particular. But uh, this is a movie that everyone is excited for because it brings back uh, not only Gal Gadot as the uh, ephemeral uh, Diana, but also Steve Trevor, Chris Pine Steve Trevor, uh, in an unexplained return despite his uh, doomed fates in Wonder Woman. So, and there's also the 80s, which is a big, really trendy nowadays. Everyone loves that neon colored, uh, flashy, glamorous uh, 80s mall aesthetic. And there's also a great supporting cast, Pedro Pascal, Kristen Wiig playing the villains of the piece. Uh, It just looks so fun and so entertaining. And uh, it looks like another, uh, another hit for Patty Jenkins. So I'm excited for this. All right, next up is In the Heights. When I did not expect to get evil support, but here it is. Uh, Brad, why does In the Heights look so promising? Uh, I mean, just watch the trailer and see if you are not infected by energy that is that is in this musical. Uh, with um, lyrics and music by uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who uh, created the hit Broadway musical Hamilton, uh, this is just infused with so much life, and it looks like a genuine, full, big Hollywood musical. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's... Uh, being a little bit more quaint in its musical approach, uh, something like La La Land was in emulating classic musicals. This feels like a big, grand, uh, almost li- like a like a new West Side Story, essentially. And I'm very excited to see what Lin-Manuel Miranda does with a musical on the big screen, especially knowing how successful this was on stage as well. Okay, next up is one that I, I'm going to call it, guys. I think this may be our number one to spend film of the year. <laughs> we cracked the numbers. <laughs> uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Uh, Chris, this is Chris Nolan, needs explanation, but what about this is special? I mean, yeah, like you said, anytime there's a new Chris Nolan movie, it's it's kind of exciting. He's one of those few filmmakers who makes uh, what you could call quote-unquote smart blockbusters. Um, he's got a ton of clout, so he can pretty much do whatever the hell he wants, and he usually gives it his all. And beyond that, it just looks, the trailer looks amazing. Um, it looks like he's back in inception mode here you know after uh dunkirk which is a great movie but it's you know a more more grounded more historical movie this is him you know 
big genre picture mode where uh, we're not really sure, but it really looks like he's he's dealing with like some sort of time travel or time altering material here, and that's something he loves. You know, his very his, the movie that broke him out, Memento, is all about running backwards. So it, it's something he he's really good at, and it just looks really really cool. So I, I can't imagine not being excited for this at this point. All right, I'll take the next one. This is uh, Last Night in Soho, the new film from Edgar Wright. And Edgar Wright, of course, it's Shaun the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim, Baby Driver. He's an incredibly exciting filmmaker on his own. But Last Night in Soho is a straight-up horror film, not a horror comedy like, you know, Shaun of the Dead, but it's being sold as him doing sort of a grimy 70s-style, you know, uh, psychological horror film. And that alone is incredibly exciting because... I would, he's such a skilled filmmaker and such a historian of film that seeing him play in a different playground is going to be really exciting. We have a cast that includes Thomas and McKenzie, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Matt Smith, Diana Rigg, Terrence Stamp. Uh, this thing just has uh, has a lot of elements, uh, a lot of heavy British horror influence lurking uh, right there, uh, not even beneath the surface, right on the surface. And I think Edgar Wright's name alone gets it on the list. But the fact he's making a horror film and considering how good the horror elements of his comedies are, that's a very exciting. So that's Last Night in Soho. Uh, Peter, West Side Story, Steven Spielberg's movie. What's up? Steven Spielberg. The, 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 that's all that needs to be said. But yes, this is an adaptation of a 1957 musical. It is kind of like, I guess, like a Romeo and Juliet kind of tale, a love story between uh, two people from two different street gangs. And, you know, David Newman is composing this and there's a cast, you know, just an awesome cast and it you know we we don't really we, we haven't seen anything from this yet right there's not a trailer or anything i don't even think there's images out at this there point are, there are some there are there are a few images out there a few images yeah but it, i mean steven spielberg that, that's all that needs to be said like i i i i i'm excited for this i'm not a big musical person but uh you know spielberg <laughs> yeah enough said Speaking of directors whose name may be enough said at this point, Dune from director, director uh, Denis uh, Villeneuve, the director of Arrival uh, and a Sicario, an enemy, uh, Blade Runner 2049, incredibly exciting. And this is, of course, the Fra- based on the Frank Herbert uh, sci-fi fantasy epic novel I've described as Lord of the Rings meets Star Wars, uh, even though it came out uh, before Star Wars. But um, the cast, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Zendaya... Uh, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem. I mean, Charlotte Rampling, incredible. Uh, and HT, this is this the sexiest movie cast of all time? Oh, yeah, for sure. Including the sandworm, who we all just want to touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like even, even Ben, who did not enjoy the Dune novel, uh, you voted for this because this sounds like it could be incredible, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and in the same way that you guys were talking about these directors, you know, being the, the biggest draw, I mean, that cast is incredible. But Villeneuve is like one of the most exciting filmmakers of the past decade, hands down. And I'm I'm really excited to see what he does with material that I was yeah kind of mixed on. But that world is so expansive and there's so much potential for from new movie version of that story with today's effects and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I cannot wait to see this thing. All right, so the last one we all locked in in our nomination process is The French Dispatch, the new Wes Anderson film. Uh, Chris, how about you take this one? Uh, again, this is one of those directors where it's like, oh, a new Wes Anderson movie? I'm excited. I mean, he hasn't done 
something since uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, which is probably his his best movie to date. You did Isle of Dogs, Isle of Dogs. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. I blocked it out of my mind because it wasn't that good. <laughs> so, so this is this is his first live action movie since Grand Budapest Hotel, and that that is is pretty exciting. Um, again, it's got a great cast who I don't have in front of me right now. Just take my word for it; they're great. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's him dealing with a period setting, which he always does something interesting with. I, I you know, I I know very little about this movie other than it involves journalism and it's got a really great cast and it's Wes Anderson and that is enough for me. I, I have something uh to admit here guys. Um I accidentally did not put my name next to Mank and I meant to. Oh, so interesting. I, I, I think that should be in this top the just going through thing. Yeah I was about to I was about to bring us to the uh strong support which I have five votes see if we can push these through before we begin the round table. Mank is a new David Fincher movie. Uh, who wants to be in this one? Who wants to tell us about Mank? <laughs> I'll do it. It's it's <laughs> about uh, the, the co-writer of Citizen Kane. I'll admit that like the subject matter of this doesn't excite me that much, but the fact that it's a new David Fincher movie, his first feature since uh, Zodiac is a gone is a, girl. God damn it. What is wrong with me? <laughs> well, Gone Girl is great. So it's his first feature since Gone Girl. And that alone makes it worth seeing because uh, it's it sucks that we haven't had a David Fincher movie in a very long time. So that alone gets me excited. Although I, I will admit the subject matter isn't the most exciting thing to me. But hey, David Fincher. But you know the Academy members will go gaga over this because it's about Will they though? Because it's a Netflix movie and there's that whole Netflix oh, yeah. thing. It's also uh, Reznor and Ross, which also makes me super excited about this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like if Fincher thinks this is worthy of a film, uh, then goodness, I will watch whatever he makes. Uh, so since Peter was the only one who didn't put this on the initial list and he thinks it should be on the list, I'm going to put Mank into our uh, list. Which brings us to one last film that has four, I'm sorry, five votes with only one person sitting it out. And that's Pixar's Soul. Uh, ben is the outlier here. Uh, Brad, explain to Ben why Soul should be on our, on our list. Uh, well, first of all, it's a Pixar animation movie. So, like, what the hell is wrong with you? And yes, I know Onward doesn't have a lot of support this year uh, because people just seem doesn't don't seem to think that it looks like it's on par with their typical quality. Uh, but this has a really wonderful premise. It has an incredible voice cast. The, uh, this is a movie that is about um, a middle school music teacher who has this big dream of performing jazz on stage somewhere. And he finally gets his chance after impressing some musicians at this uh, a real-life New York jazz club called the Half Note Club. Uh, but after he has an accident, he dies, and his soul gets separated from his body and stuck in this ethereal world where souls develop and gain passions before being put into newborn children. And he has to work with these souls in training, which includes Tina Fey as a soul named 22, who basically has this dim view on life and doesn't really care about what's going on around her. And the two obviously will learn lessons from each other. And I just think this is such a, a unique, cool story. And it kind of follows in the same spirit uh, as, as Inside Out, personifying these things that we uh, don't see represented in the, in the physical world. I was going to say what you were about to say. You didn't mention the pedigree here. It's Pete Docter who made Monsters, Inc. He made Up. He made Inside Out. He has been flawless though so far in the directing arena yeah ben what's wrong with you why didn't you put into your list ben <laughs> are you ben ben 
Are you soulless? Uh, well, <laughs> nice. Uh, no, there, there was actually no like uh, nefarious actions going on here. I basically just haven't had a chance to watch the trailer yet, and I didn't really know anything about what this movie was even about. So hearing you guys explain it, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm on board with that because I really loved Inside Out, and this sounds similarly similarly ambitious uh and especially since it's from the same filmmaker i'm i'm totally fine if we put this on the list i just hadn't got around to checking out the trailer yet all right guys we have 10 films on top 25 we're rolling i think we start getting our hands dirty now let's start making the rotation because from here on out at least two people did not vote for a movie to be on this list so uh let's go and start with uh peter peter how do you pick a movie from the remaining uh 41 films here that you argue must be on this list Ooh. Um, okay. I, I'm going to argue for the, the the only Marvel movie this year that I'm excited for, and that is Eternals. This comes from director Chloe Zhao, and uh, it is a property that, honestly, I don't know very much about, but it does seem more my speed than Black Widow, from judging by the trailers we've seen from that. Uh, and I'm excited about the filmmaker. I, I don't know. Uh I, I don't know too much about the Eternals to like make the the grand pitch here, but it seems like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going into this kind of galactic uh, direction, and it seems like this is going to be a you know the, the, some of the first steps of that, and it's going to be very important. And uh, I, you know, I'm just excited to see what Zhao does in the MCU. Yeah, I just want to say that I know the MCU has been racking up really good actors over the past decade. They They've had no trouble getting legends and newcomers alike we all really enjoy watching. But listen to this cast. Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Camille Nanjiani, Lauren Ridloff, Brian Tyree Henry, Sama Hayek, Don Lee, uh, the Korean actor who's amazing, Barry Keegan, uh, Gemma Chan, Kit Harington. I mean, them with Chloe Zhao making cosmic superhero stories. I mean, look, I know some of us are a little tired of Marvel sometimes. We're not always as on board with it as maybe Peter, Brad, and I are. But of the Marvel stuff coming up this year, Eternals is the one that seems like could be really fresh and exciting in a Guardians of the Galaxy style way. Uh, I think this belongs in a list, so I want to hear from the people who don't think it belongs on a list or want to put a fight against it. Uh, I didn't vote for it, but I really just wanted to hear you guys passionately go to bat for it before I ultimately put my support <laughs> behind it, because I'm also like <laughs> loosely interested in it. I, I'm not actively against it. I just wanted to hear why I really should be interested in it. And frankly, like this cast is so good and so diverse and so just a a collection of really interesting people um, that, yeah, as Peter said, even though we don't know much about the movie, I'm, I'm kind of interested just based on the, the talent alone. Jacob, I think you're the most familiar with the Eternals as the comic book property, correct? Uh, I know the basics. I'm, I'm, they are (laughs) vague enough for me to, look, I know more about Marvel than maybe me and Brad know most about Marvel. I think even us, uh, are still a little vague on the Eternals, but I can try to help you out here if you have any questions. Yeah, because well, from what I've seen of like the comics and what I've read about it is that it's Jack Kirby's most experimental psychedelic uh, like venture, and um, I that alone interests me because I think Marvel uh, hasn't really taken enough risks in terms of storytelling, in terms of like high concept cosmic stuff uh, apart from Guardians of the Galaxy. So I am interested in Eternals uh, for that in addition to like the great cast. And I hope that Chloe Zhao will be able to do something really bold with this movie. 
uh, yeah, I mean, for those who don't know, the Eternals are essentially ancient superheroes. They're immortals who've been, you know, guarding the Earth and the cosmos for a millennia. So like, they, so like ancient gods were were based on them, and and so they're kind they're kind of like they ride this line between ancient mythology and modern superheroes, you know, sci-fi and fantasy. Uh, I'm very very curious to see how they you know interact with Thor and Asgard if that ever becomes a thing. I'm very very curious, uh, and uh, they're not so well known that like people like people have everyone has an opinion on Spider-Man, but uh, Eternals are vague enough in the public consciousness that Chloe Zhao could actually, you know, put her own stamp on this. Same way that James Gunn did with Guardians. Uh, Chris, have we convinced you? I know you're an outlier here for Marvel sometimes. Uh, I don't care about this movie at all, but I'm also not going to. I'm going to pick my battles because I, I know it's silly to suggest that at least one Marvel movie won't make it onto the slashfilm.com list. So <laughs> I'm not going to fight against it, but I have I have zero interest in this movie. Okay. I sound like Eternals makes it, uh, gets Chris's vague blessing. Uh, HT, uh, fixing the bat for. Uh, I'm going to go for Rebecca. This is the movie starring Army Hammer and Lily Collins? Yes. Um, Lily, that Lily James. Lily, it's the other Lily. God darn it! Okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's just too many Lilies, and they all kind of look similar. Okay, all right, I, I do love Lily James though. Okay, so Rebecca, uh, directed by Ben Wheatley and starring Army Hammer and Lily James, and uh, coming soon to Netflix. It's based off of the novel of the same mind, same name by, by Daphne du Maurier, and um, the people might most be mostly familiar with this through the Alfred Hitchcock adaptation. Um, and um, I was a big fan of this book Daphne, uh, by Daphne du Maurier. It's a gothic romance novel that uh, is a little bit more modern and has um, quite a an interesting uh, sapphic sort of undertone to it as well as the great psychological thriller elements. And um, I am really excited about this new adaptation because of like my fondness for the book, but because to Alfred Hitchcock's adaptation, as great as it is, and as chilling performance as um, the actress who plays Mrs. Danvers is, I'm interested to see if this film actually goes through with the original ending of the book because the ending of the Hitchcock adaptation actually got changed because of Hayes Code censorship. And um, I, I would love to see just like a, a really uh, both loyal as well as just some um, modern adaptation of this excellent really great graphic uh, gothic novel it's ben wheatley uh ben wheatley who made um uh kill list uh and high rise he's oh free fire i adore ben wheatley on top of this being really promising from source material so you have my support here hd i want to hear from everybody else though yeah i i support this 100 percent um ben wheatley doing this story with this cast is is enough to get me excited yeah, my wife is a huge fan of the Rebecca novel. I've never read that, but I've seen the Hitchcock version and I was really taken by it. And I think it's uh, there's so much potential here for like this really moody, like atmospheric um, type of movie that I think will pair very, very well with Ben Wheatley's sensibilities. And I love I love the casting of this, too. Uh, I'm really excited to see how this one comes together. And I think this is a Netflix movie, right? Yes. Yeah. Also, right. I think you would really enjoy the book, Ben. Yeah, it's definitely like on my list of things to read. I just have so much to <laughs> to get through, but it's it's on there. So, uh, Brad and Peter, uh, you're the ones who didn't vote for this. Have we swayed you, or what does it sound like to you? I wouldn't say that you've swayed me, but I'm not necessarily going to fight for this not to be on the list. There's just me personally. There's other movies that I'm more excited about, and as much as I do enjoy Ben Wheatley as a filmmaker, 
uh, this premise just isn't anything that's particularly exciting or thrilling enough to, for me to be like, oh, I can't wait to see this movie. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm more whatever about it, but I'm not against it. Yeah, I'm of the same mindset there. I, I am excited. Clint Mansell is doing the score. Uh, but I feel I don't know. I did. I did it, it's just like not the story doesn't excite me. So here's my question uh, for Brad and Peter: Do we move this into in discussion and let HT pick again, or are you guys okay with this one to slide through and have a fight another day? I think maybe in discussion for now, since we're we're gonna fight for some other movies in a little bit. So maybe just to be safe, we should put in discussion for now, especially since we're we're close to the the halfway mark for this list already. Okay, let's do let's do that for now. Uh, but Rebecca, we'll, we'll return to Rebecca because I don't think we're prepared to give this one up quite yet. Uh, HT, let's have a runner-up from you to nominate for this list. Okay, um, I will go a little lower actually in terms of our categories, and I'm going to go with the personal history of David Copperfield. And this is one that only me and Brad voted for, but I'm surprised more people aren't excited for it. This is an Armando Iannucci film. HT, if it was about the magician, I'd be all for it. Of course. Okay. What if it's secretly about the magician, though, Peter? Sadly, it is not. All right. (laughs) That's that's the trick, is he makes you think it's not about him, but then he pops up at the end. He's like, hi, it was me the whole time. But yes, this is in a new Armando Iannucci film, and he's the director behind... Films like The Death of Stalin, The Thick of It, or rather the TV show in the, the Thick of It, and the film In the Loop, as well as the TV series Veep. And he's just a, a really brilliant, really sharp satirist. And um, I'm just excited to see a new film from him, especially one starring Dev Patel, who I think hasn't really gotten his due in terms of leading roles as of late. So this looks great. I'm, I'm excited for it. Chris, you've seen this, right? Right. I did not vote for it because I saw it at TIFF, and it is wonderful. It is a charming, funny, delightful film, and the cast is fantastic. Uh, Hugh Laurie is in this, and he is so wonderful and great. And uh, if I, you know, I highly recommend this film. It, it's it's very good, and it'll probably be. I mean, I know we just started the year, but it, it's definitely going to end up on like my best of 2020 list. That's how good this is but i didn't vote wow. for it because because wow. i already saw it there you go see, that's, yeah, that's see, all the they, support yep, i need yep there you go it's yeah, hard it's uh, hard to argue with that yeah it really is so um let's move personal history of david copperfield into our list uh yeah. that's some very strong support uh next in rotation here is uh brad nominate something okay uh i'm going to hmm uh, I'm going to come out guns blazing for one of my most anticipated movies, and I'm sure I understand why there's not as much support for this, but uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, I think the first trailer is really cool. I like that it's taking a step away from just trying to be like Ghostbusters and is taking a cue from other legacy sequels and continuing the story uh, 30-some years years later. Uh, I I feel like that there's a lot of promise here for a movie that is refreshing and doesn't try to overshadow what was attempted with Ghostbusters answer the call, but does something different that taps into nostalgia in a way that is seems respectful without necessarily trying to overdo it. At least that's what I think so far. I just, I like the Amblin vibe in this, uh, in the trailer that we see. And I'm personally very excited to see what Jason Reitman can do with material like this since he's never uh, tackled a movie on this scale before, or even in, in this genre. 
Peter, yeah, I know you're no, also a Yeah, I'm also a supporter here. I love Jason Reitman's early work. Uh, you know, his middle years, I feel like, is a little less successful. But, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Ghostbusters. I do everything Brad said, I agree with. I love the legacy equal take on this. I it, I love uh, that this seems like more of like a coming of age kind of tale. Like they're trying to do something different with this. And it's not just, you know, a bunch of Ghostbusters in a city fighting ghosts. And I, I think... Uh, that's interesting. I know probably some other people on this podcast will argue that they're just trying to do Stranger Things or something like that. But I don't know. I I, I think it, it's an interesting take that it seems like they're not even like it, the trailer almost for most of the trailer makes it almost like a scary movie, like it's a horror film. Uh, you know, a PG thirteen horror film, but it doesn't even seem to have like the same comedic take as the the original films or the you know the recent remake. Uh, so I don't know that that all excites me. Here's my thing: I did not vote for this. I am not actively excited for it. I'm kind of dreading it to be honest. I'm really worried that it's gonna be too much of an overreaction to the reaction to the previous Ghostbusters film. But I also feel that on a website that is one third Brad and Peter. To not have this movie on our list would be irresponsible. All right. So. First of all, if, if this, if we're gonna have Ghostbusters on the site, how can we not have Rebecca on our list? I'm just. <laughs> I mean, they are very similar. Those two. Yes, films. very similar films. Um, I, I, I'm on the same boat as Jacob. I'm not really anticipating this film at all, and I ac- actually kind of hated the trailer. <laughs> I thought the tone was very strange and all over the place. And I didn't understand why they're going for this very serious foreboding vibe. When... HT, when there's something strange in the neighborhood, you call Ghostbusters. Yeah, but this, the originals were comedies and they were mostly uh, SNL vets that were riffing the I'm, entire time. Like I'm I'm right there with you. I did not like this. Tra- I mean, I know trailers can be misleading and I'm I'm hoping like the second trailer is better. But the minute Paul Rudd is like, there hasn't been a ghost sighting in 30 years. I was like, oh, this is actively bad. Like, this isn't just, like, uninteresting. This is bad. It's, but... the, same, it's the same thing with Force Awakens, though. It's like it's like Luke Skywalker. I thought he was Force a legend. Awakens was a good yeah. trailer, but though. Force and Awakens that actually like... warrants the seriousness that it... That it uh, also, Force Awakens takes place on, like, different, like, planets. Like, I find it very hard to believe that, like... These kids are like, oh, I never heard of a giant marshmallow man destroying New York City. Like there are, they're kids, like, there are kids today who don't who don't know what Barney is. There, there on, are kids today Barney that don't know that 9-11 happened. No, yeah. Barney, Barney is exactly like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Have you seen Barney? No, I'm saying Barney never grew to a giant size and destroyed New York City. That didn't you, happen. You didn't see the Barney movie then. <sighs> All right, Ben, Ben, you need to jump in here and calm everybody down. I mean, I, I'm afraid I can't do that, uh, Jacob, because I also was not interested in this trailer at all. And I kind of agree with HT that, you know, just because, the you know, if you're going to divide the site up in, in thirds or, or quarters or whatever, like if Rebecca has four of our support and this one only has two, I think Ghostbusters has to go in, in discussion. we got to move on, right? Uh, I, I feel like Brad and Peter's Ghostbusters passion is so well documented. And they're so excited by that. I would argue that Brad and Peter's excitement for Ghostbusters outweighs all of our excitement for, for Rebecca. No, I disagree. <laughs> I, 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 I would I'm agree really there. For it. Can I, 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 I will say this. Articulate how excited I am for I like Rebecca. I like to point out that HG didn't even know the difference between. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, you know what? It's fine. I'm just. <laughs> whatever. I, 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 I will say this. blend together. 
All right, let's 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 take a step back. There's too much. There's too much shouting. This show. We save it for the end. But but I do want to say this: like (laughs) this year in movies, looking at this and and planning this, and I I think I'm probably going to be the lone person to say this. Like it's very underwhelming for me, a person who who loves kind of like the big movies, and I I feel like you know I'm. You know, I'm excited for Eternals, but like, like I don't even know what that is. I'm excited for it because of who's involved. And a lot of these things, I'm excited for who. And Rebecca on yeah, the list. But a lot of these things, I'm excited for who's involved, like Spielberg or Nolan or you know whatever or uh, Wes Anderson. And I, I feel like. This is one of the properties uh, this year that I'm actually excited for. Like one of the few properties. I honestly always assumed this would be on our list. I just wanted to voice my <laughs> I'm not going to like fight against it. I just I personally think it looks like looks ba- it looks way too much like Super 8, which is which I liked Super 8 a lot. I think I like that more than most people do, but that doesn't like fit with Ghostbusters for me. That said, I never once thought this wouldn't be on our list. But, so but I gonna... love how like everybody's like, do something different, do something different. And, and Hollywood finally does like a, a franchise property in a completely different take. Let and like, we were like, oh, it's too different. I, I want to go on the record here and say, I never once in my life said, I really hope they do a different Ghostbusters movie. Like that, that never, that thought never crossed my mind. But again, I never once thought this wouldn't be on the list. So here's my defense about this movie feeling like it doesn't feel like the original Ghostbusters movie. How often has Hollywood desperately tried to emulate the formula and style, both comedically and blockbuster style? of Ghostbusters and failed. The only movie that has ever done it well enough, maybe two movies, um, even though one of them is more of a Star Trek movie, are Men in Black and Galaxy Quest. Ivan Reitman couldn't even do it and he, when he made Evolution, and that's what he was desperately trying to do. So Or Ghostbusters too. I think going in a different direction than what the original Ghostbusters was is the, is the best bet so that you're not having this constant comparison of, oh, it's not as good as the original Ghostbusters as far as comedy and all that thing, because that's what eventually Ghostbusters answer the call suffered from is because that's where those comparisons came from. So I think doing something different in this way is a very smart path. And also I think that there's going to be a very interesting uh, or a, a, a big heart in the middle of this movie, simply because Jason Reitman is directing and inheriting this franchise from his father. And I, so I think it's no mistake that the legacy part of this isn't there simply because of nostalgia's sake, but also because it's there for him as a filmmaker. And I think that the idea of the legacy between people, especially maybe maybe you know uh, a father that wasn't there for the the, the main characters and, and a grandfather that wasn't there, will have some impact on this story. I think this is going to make our list in the end, but how about we leave it in discussion just for now, so we can all cool off and have cooler heads prevail. And Brad will be your second choice here. Ooh. Um, I will go with. Uh, Halloween Kills. Yes. Um, Halloween uh, was outstanding uh, when David Gordon Green and Danny McBride tackled it and brought it back and retconned the rest of the Halloween franchise. Uh, they did a, um, a, basically like a, another version of a legacy sequel, but they did it. They did it right, um, extremely well, much better than uh, any of the later sequels like Halloween H two O did. Uh, it was suspenseful and brutal and just just great is exactly what i wanted from a halloween sequel like this and i'm very intrigued to see what they're doing with halloween kills especially since there are two back-to-back sequels coming i love my incredible sport 
I, I loved Halloween, but even Chris, who has support here, said he didn't want this movie to even happen. Like, can lightning happen? Like, strike twice? I, I, I'm not. I'm very cynical. You know, I, I, I agree. I, I, I partially agree. When after Halloween ended, the the new Halloween ended. I was like, oh, that's a really great ending. It, it gives Laurie Strode closure, you know, all this stuff. But I'm also such a sucker for this franchise. Like, I even <laughs> like the shitty entries that the minute they released that behind-the-scenes footage where it's like it just showed a bunch of stuff happening, I was like, oh, fuck it. I really want to see this. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm too – I'm not an impartial <laughs> member of the jury here, so I feel like I shouldn't even vote at all because I'm too suckered into this <laughs> franchise. But – uh basically as long as they're making halloween movies i will watch halloween movies that's 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 the best way i can put it all right i want to hear from ht and ben who did not vote for this ht you go first uh all right i don't mean i liked halloween the most recent one and um i I just don't really have like a a stake in this i think it's fine if we can put this on the list but um yeah it's kind of ht why do you hate halloween oh my god (laughs) Why does everyone here hate Rebecca? Vote for Rebecca. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of right there with you, HT. I, I really enjoyed the previous one, but uh, like Chris, I kind of was not thinking that there needed to be a sequel, and I'm not uh, as suckered into this franchise as to be, you know, in the bag for anything just because it's announced. I, I am. Uh, you know, cautiously optimistic about its ultimately uh, its ultimate quality. I just feel like maybe there's some more interesting, like original stuff that might might be on this list that might result in a a more interesting overall site list since we already have twelve things locked in. And um, but I, I don't know. I, I, at the end of the day, I wouldn't be mad if this was on it because I'm I am you know uh, planning to see it and and looking forward to it in some way. I just um, I, I don't know. Uh, here's my question for Brad. Brad. Um, having heard responses from everybody, do you want to keep fighting for this one, or do you want to put it in discussion and grab another entry? Um, I mean, if if you don't think that the supporters are, I'm fine putting it in a discussion and just and picking something else. Let's let's do that because this has my support, but I, I also feel like we should try to see if we can find something that's a bit more universal first. Okay, just so I don't have to do this again, since I'm sure pretty much <laughs> anything else that, that I pick below the the good support of four votes is going to get pushback i'm just gonna say no time to die because that's the one of the remaining two that have four votes that uh, i'm very interested in and uh it seems like we have a good a swell of support for it as well yeah carrie fukunaga making a james bond movie daniel craig's swan song a really strong supporting cast uh, remy malik is the villain uh, even after specter which is just a disappointing film as the resident james bond expert as the, as the james bond historian on slashfilm.com who has seen the entire every movie in the series multiple times can tell you all the trivia can tell you uh great Interesting things, but even the bad movies, this movie belongs in the list. It's 25th James Bond movie. It's a big deal. It is a historical document. In 20 years, good or bad, we'll be talking about No Time to Die because we're talking about all the James Bond movies of all time, even the bad ones. We talk about them still. Damn it. No Time to Die belongs on this list. <laughs> uh, I agree with that. I've, I've also seen all the Bond movies, and uh, yeah, this, this has my full support. I think Fukunaga is such a fascinating choice to direct this, and he has such an interesting visual style, and um, I, I'm, it's, you know, there's been so much, like, behind-the-scenes controversy about the making of this movie and all of that. There's, like, a curiosity factor that goes into it, as well as, like, the, the historical stuff that Jacob's talking about, the 25th Bond movie, Craig's Last Ride, all of that stuff. I mean, that stuff alone, I think, should, should 
qualified this movie for our list. Um, but the fact that Fukunaga is, is directing it is like a huge step up in my mind. So um, I'm very curious about this one. Also, this movie has Anna Armas wearing a really nice dress shooting two guns at once, which is really all I need for a movie. <laughs> you, ha- you had me at Anna de Armas. <laughs> um, I don't know. I-, I just feel like I'm not a Bond person, but I'm in the minority because they've made, what, 40-something films? You know, and, I'm not really a, a Bond guy either, honestly, but I don't know. I, I, I really like the the Craig run, except Quantum of Solace, which I don't even remember, honestly. What about the last one? The last one was pretty... Oh, yeah, that was bad, too. Maybe I don't like the Craig run. <laughs> Look, the thing is, the high... Oh, go ahead. Uh, a 50-50 ratio for a Bond run is actually one of the better Bond runs, but go ahead, Ben. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. And the highs of, uh, of Casino Royale and Skyfall are, like, some of the franchise's highs you know at large so i think um i think that sort of offsets the uh, the disappointment of some of the others but uh yeah it's just my two cents i will murder anyone who tries to block no time to die on this list it was gonna be my, it was gonna be my choice if brad didn't pick it go for it go for it <laughs> sorry to, sorry i turned this into death threats this soon it's not list, my guys. time to die <laughs> <laughs> hey look at that it's, it's it's my time to pick one in the rotation um I am going to go down the one that I uh, I am prepared to uh, not fight super hard for, but one I think is super interesting. That is The Invisible Man from director uh, Lee Whannell. Uh, Lee Whannell, he wrote the early Saw films. He wrote the Insidious films. But he started directing with Insidious 3, which is a, which is a good movie. And then he directed Upgrade, which is a, a really kick-ass sci-fi action movie that I love to death. And it holds up to repeat viewings. And Invisible Man is him making a full-on studio horror film. It is risen from the ashes of the dark universe, you know, the mummy. It is the universe of realizing, oh, crap, maybe making a $150 million mummy movie was a bad idea. Let's give Lee Wan-El a small budget to, to reboot the Invisible Man, a universal horror character classic, you know, as an actual horror film with Elizabeth Moss playing the lead character whose scientist husband dies, an abusive husband or boyfriend. I start to think that he may have turned himself invisible and is tormenting her, which is a really smart upgrade on the H.G. Wells story. And the trailer is so good. Elizabeth Moss is such an incredible actress. And as someone who loves universal horror and was so dismayed by Dark Universe, the idea that this could be the direction of more universal horror movies, of going back to low budgets, interesting directors, straight-up horror films, I think The Invisible Man seems really exciting. Yeah, this was actually going to be my pick. So, yes, I, I 100% support that. I love the the up updated premise i love elizabeth moss i love lee wannell i i i'm all in on this <laughs> no one's moss, arguing yeah. no yeah it's on it's on the list it made it no one said anything <laughs> i do want to hear does anybody have object to this it only, only has three votes for me chris and brad so i would like to hear from the others um I have not seen Upgrade yet, but I am interested in it based on what you guys have said. Based on, uh, or I'm sorry, interested in The Invisible Man based on what you guys have said. I, I'm I don't have like a full understanding of Lee Whannell as a filmmaker, other than like his association with the Saw movies. But um, but I, I guess I'm I'm uh, intrigued by the trailer and Elizabeth Moss is great. So um, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll throw my support behind this. Upgrade was really good. I think my hesitation is that Universal just hasn't done anything interesting with the Universal monsters in how many years, Jacob? You'd know. Uh, it's it's been decades, but this is why it's exciting. This is the first interesting Universal monster development in decades. Lee One L. I mean, people forget the Universal monster movies were, were low budget B movies. They were 
And Invisible Man is a $5 million Blumhouse-style horror film. And that, to me, is in the spirit of what the Universal Monster movies always were, a character-driven, low-budget, offbeat monster films. I'm all for movies where Elizabeth Moss's mental state is slowly deteriorating. <laughs> so I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm, sounds good. Yes. Peter, I, sure. I, I need Peter's blessing here. Peter, you're okay with this? Sure, yeah. Okay. You know, Peter, this, this is what happens. I, you support Invisible Man, I'll, I'll ride and die for Ghostbusters for you, okay? <laughs> but you already were riding and dying. And for I'll continue to ride and die for Ghostbusters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like politics. You got to give a little, get a little. <laughs> Hey, uh, Ben, you, you turned up and nominated something. I'm still laughing at your negotiating tactics. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something controversial and pick the one movie that only I have selected as uh, as, as throwing support behind. And my guess is because it, that the the reason for that is because you guys might not have heard of it. So I want to explain this to everybody uh, and hopefully try to convince you that BIOS should be on the movie uh, or on the list. This is a, a new sci-fi drama. Directed by Miguel Sapochnik, um, he's the guy who directed several episodes, some of the best episodes of Game of Thrones. He's he's directed True Detective and um, you know Banshee and Fringe and Masters of Sex and a bunch of stuff. But mostly he's known for like the big battle episodes of Game of Thrones. He's also known for directing The Winds of Winter, which is like uh, Jacob and I did a, a ranking of all of the Game of Thrones episodes, and this one came in number two. So it's he's not just the battle guy. He has a really good grasp on all sorts of storytelling. But uh, BIOS is a sci-fi movie that is about an ailing inventor who is the last man on Earth who builds an android to keep him and his dog company and goes on a journey across the country. So it's a, it's a pretty vague logline, but uh, the, the idea of the last man on Earth building an, a robot to keep him and his dog company, I feel like uh, would resonate with a lot of people in this podcast. Um, Tom Hanks is the inventor, so that's a, another big plus for this movie. Caleb Landry Jones is playing the robot. Uh, Samira Wiley from Orange is the New Black and The Handmaid's Tale is in the cast, as is Laura Harrier from Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, this movie is written by two people I've never heard of, Craig Luck and Ivor Powell. But Powell was an associate producer for Ridley Scott movies like Alien and Blade Runner back in the day. So he's been around top tier sci-fi before. And this is just a really fascinating sounding original movie that uh, I think deserves to be championed. So how about BIOS? Let's do it. Huh? 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 Since, <laughs> since, uh, since I know that uh, probably a few of the movies that I picked aren't going to make this list. And because this actually does sound incredibly cool and uh the director has directed episodes of some shows that i really love um and I, yeah i i will throw my support behind this and i'd also like to point out that skeet ulrich is in this in case you need any more sweetening of the deal <laughs> Ooh, the skeet assance it's upon us <laughs> I, I, I have two words for everybody's podcast and that is uh repo men Miguel Sapochek's 2010 Disaster, which is an awful movie. His one feature film before this. So, yes, he directed a lot of great television. He directed a lot of great Game of Thrones. He also directed The Long Night, one of the worst directed episodes. Oh, is that the one I couldn't see? Yes. Yeah, but didn't we establish that that was the cinematographer's fault? (laughs) We established it was everybody's fault. (laughs) But look, Repo Repo Men. Repo Men. If we base the prospect of a director's career based on the one movie they made, then James Cameron wouldn't have a career today. Repo Men. (laughs) Starring Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker as sci-fi Repo Men. (laughs) I would would say put this in discussion for now. I'm not against it, but I'm not sold on it. I have a feeling like, yeah, I love Tom Hanks, but I have a feeling like 
he's going to die in the first like five minutes of this movie. And then the rest of the movie's going to be like weirdo Caleb Landry Jones is the weird looking robot. He's so weird. I don't like to look at him. Yeah. <laughs> Repo men. Oh God. All right. Uh, I'll pick something else. We can put okay. it in a discussion. Uh, okay. Let me see here. How about, uh, how about, uh, <laughs> okay. Here's one that, that at least has one more person supporting me. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Um, this movie, I, the only reason that I even remotely hesitate at this is because it's directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who's, uh, I, I would say his filmography is um, is mixed at best. Uh, most of the stuff he's done is, is been pr- has been pretty underwhelming so far, but Christopher McQuarrie is one of the writers on this. You've got Tom Cruise back in the, the cockpit as uh, Pete uh, Maverick Mitchell, and he is doing his own flying in these jets. Uh, the trailers have looked pretty amazing so far. I love the first movie, um, unabashedly, unironically. I think it's a really great uh, 80s action movie, and I think this one has the opportunity to um, recapture that spirit and uh, and update the story a little bit. It's also got a really good cast. You've got Miles Teller, Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly, uh, John Hamm, Ed Harris, uh, Glenn Powell. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited about this one, but uh, I wonder if I'll be able to convince everybody else about this. For the fact that they look like they're recreating the shirtless volleyball scene, I throw my support behind this, and I hope that they amp up the homoerotic tension in this movie. <laughs> Anybody else? I, I am excited because it's Cruz and they're doing some real stuff. And the director, I I, I believe, has a future. Uh, I just uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Top Gun, but maybe you know I wasn't a fan of the original Mission Impossible series or even the the, the first film. And I've become such a fan of that franchise. So maybe I'll put my put my hand in. Yeah, I'm nervous about this one because Kaczynski is so hit and miss. I actually think his best movie is, um, oh goodness, I'm blanking on the title of Tom Cruise. Oblivion, yeah, I think Oblivion's his best yeah. movie. Uh, uh, I think he's made some real stinkers, though. I think Tron Legacy is a stinker. I um, love Tron Legacy. <laughs> I think the original Top Gun's a bad movie. I don't think it's a good, I think it's a straight up bad movie that, that is the worst of the 80s, uh, in like one ugly package. Oh Jacob, that, 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 I, I is, agree. That is preposterous bullshit. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Uh, I can't but, even believe I'm hearing this. At the same time, Tom Cruise actually flying jets uh, in in uh, while being shot by cameras. That is really exciting. And I will. I've, I've said my piece. I will not fight this one. If enough people say, think it's enough for the list, I won't. I won't stand in its way. Who else? Who haven't we heard from yet? Chris, do you also think that Top Gun is one of the worst movies of the 80s? I've actually never seen Top oh, Gun. Oh, never mind then. Oh. I've seen Hot Shots, ha. the parody with <laughs> Charlie Sheen. Hot Shots better than Top Gun. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how I feel, but I mean, I love me some Tommy Cruise, even though he's a, he's a crazy person, but I, I, I don't know how I feel about this yet. I don't know. <sighs> <laughs> it sounds like it may be in discussion, Ben. All right, back to the drawing board. Hey, hold, um, hold, on, hold on, let me make one final final push for this. We all love Christopher McQuarrie, yes? Yes. 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 So on Twitter recently, uh, during one of his like responses to people, Christopher McQuarrie, uh, someone pointed out that he keeps saying that he can't wait for people to see Top Gun Maverick. And he s- said several times that great movies he's made aren't perfect. 
So the fact that he is very excited for this movie and even said in response to this, just to manage expectations, I should not be saying I can't wait, but I can't wait. That means this movie is going to be great. Christopher McCoy. He's being polite on social media. That's what everybody does. He doesn't have to, though. He didn't have to answer that question. He pulled it out and specifically said, I can't wait for you to see this movie. Christopher McQuarrie, Mission Impossible Fallout director. Can't wait for you to see this movie. Christopher McQuarrie, Tom Cruise's buddy. Can't wait for you to see his friend's movie. I don't don't like you anymore, Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Ben picks something else. All right, uh, let me see here. How about we go some to something with a little bit more support? Let's um, uh, let's put let's see if we can get Birds of Prey on this list. The trailer just came out, or the newest trailer just came out pretty recently, and uh, this looks unlike any other superhero movie we've seen. It's like a full, fully female-led cast. Uh, the only male actor of any note that I can tell is Ewan McGregor, who's playing the villain. But Margot Robbie, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I mean, it's got a, a pretty solid cast. And the, you know, as much as I've been very, very mixed on the DC movies, I think this one looks like a lot of fun. Uh, Kathy Yan is the director. I have not seen her very, very small uh, indie movie that played at Sundance uh, a couple years ago. And I, I think probably, you know, a thousand people have seen that movie or something so it seems like a fresh filmmaker that nobody really has any expectations for coming into a property that that does have a lot of expectations harley quinn is like a really popular character and i think from what i've seen so far this looks like a really you know poppy uh splashy colorful um step up into the blockbuster world and i think uh it's gonna i think it's gonna go a long way to washing the bad taste of suicide squad out of uh, people's mouths yeah, I didn't vote for this, but as my support. I, I think you're wrong, Ben. <laughs> I am excited for this, and I also want to point out that this is the only superhero movie on the list that Chris has put his vote in for. Surprising. So. I, I will say right. this. I have uh, I've talked to two people who have seen this film, and neither liked it. Peter, that's no fun. You're bringing in inside information into this game. Well, I'm just trying to... Listen, we have a list on the site. I want you guys to be educated into... I don't know. Okay, if you're going to be excited, be excited. But uh, Peter, I, I'm, I'm pretty just... sure before the rise of Skywalker came out, you were like, I've talked to several people who love this movie. No, I, we, I, I didn't. And we all know it's the worst movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't say that, number one. I'm I said, I'm no, the, the last time, well, see, I don't know. Well, yeah, I can't say anymore. Okay. Um... All right. Am I going back to the drawing board again? No, no. no I'm, I'm just putting that information out there. You guys can discuss whatever. I'm I, not gonna... I, I think I think Birds of Prey. I think we, I think getting a DC movie on this list is, is a good idea, from just a balanced point of view. Uh, well, presenting the blockbuster landscape of 2020 on this list. Um, I didn't vote for it, but I think it looks fresh. Like it looks interesting. And who knows? Maybe Peter's uh, contacts are incredibly wrong, and it's like super fresh and exciting, and they are not prepared to see that. So yeah. One of them <laughs> saw Aquaman early and didn't like that. So you guys, Aquaman rules. Yeah, so so, yeah. yeah, Birds of Prey on the list. <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. Aquaman oh, is the best movie ever made. So I, I'm really worried because I didn't like Aquaman. But <laughs> no, Aquaman is great, and I hope Birds of Prey also has the titles uh, that is shaped like fish. So <laughs> <laughs> does Birds of Prey make this, guys? It sounds like it may. I guess it should. should. Yeah. <sighs> I really think it shouldn't because. <laughs> I think if you look at 2020 as like a pop culture hole and like what the blocks blockbuster landscape is looking like this year, Birds of Prey is going to be up there regardless of whether you're personally interested or not too. 
I think taking Peter's thing aside, I think there's enough there to to okay. have us be excited about it on its own merits. But, uh, you know, uh, like just the fact that these movies are going on this list doesn't mean that we're proclaiming they're going to be good. It means that we're proclaiming that they have potential. And I think uh, from what we've seen so far, I think it's fair to say that uh, this movie has potential. I actually think that even though this movie looks bright and somewhat fun, that the trailer makes it look like an absolute mess. Really? Huh. Yeah. I did not get that vibe at all. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I can pick the the only other movie on our list that has four well, votes, Jacob, if you want wh- me to. Wh- why, don't, why don't, for now, let's move that to discussion. Okay. Yeah, Ben, go for it. Let's see if we can get support for that one, because that's my vote. <laughs> all right. So Death on the Nile is uh, Kenneth Branagh's new movie. It is a sequel, or I guess a sequel, a follow-up to his 2017 movie Murder on the Orient Express. This is a new movie about uh, Poirot, the Agatha Christie uh, detective. Uh, Brana plays that character. I just read this book recently, and it's a, a really enjoyable read. Um, the cast of this one is pretty good, too. You've got Gal Gadot, you've got Army Hammer, you've got Rose Leslie from Game of Thrones, uh, Letitia Wright is in this, Russell Brand, um, Annette Benning. So th- there's a lot of interesting people involved here. It's uh, a classic old-school murder mystery set in Egypt, and, uh, I mean, yeah, it, that that's basically the pitch. Is, yeah. is Adam Sandler in it? Uh, no, it is not a sequel to the Netflix movie Murder Mystery. Hard pass, Ben! <laughs> uh, Murder Express was such a refreshingly old-fashioned thing. I really... I mean, I know Knives Out was a, like, was a sort of, like, modern reinvention of the Murder Mystery. It felt like uh, it had its, maybe a foot in the old-school world, but Murder Express was such a loving, like, just felt old in a, in a good way. Felt old-fashioned in a good way. And if he wants to keep on making Perot movies you know, assembling all star casts to be his uh, list of suspects. I'll keep watching him, especially, especially after knives out got me even more excited to watch more murder mysteries. Uh, Death and Niles is not a movie I'm prepared to fight hard for like in the same way. I think a lot of people may be on their categories, but I would, I, I voted for this one for a reason. I, I, I would like to see more of these movies. Yes. I'm okay with this going through. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem just because of the star city cast. I, I, wasn't particularly in love with Murder on the Orient Express, but uh, Murder Mysteries, sure. Okay. Uh, last locked in. Dustin and Nile. Uh, good job, Ben. You got one on. <laughs> uh, Chris, you're trying to pick one. Uh, I'm going to go with Candyman. So Candyman is a not quite a remake. It's more like a reinvention, I guess you could say. Um, the original Candyman is great. And, uh, you know, while I'm not always into the idea of remakes i love that this is a, is a film being made by by black filmmakers um nia da costa is directing it uh she co-wrote it with jordan peele and uh Candyman is very much you know the original Candyman was directed by bernard rose who is a very white british man and you know nothing against that but um that movie is great but I, i'd love the idea of reinventing this story from an actual black perspective because black Candyman is one of those rare black horror movie icons you don't really have that many of those especially like in the mainstream so i really like that idea uh, and i'm just you know you know i don't know a whole lot about how they're approaching this story i'm really curious to see what they do with it yeah and yaya abdul mateen the second uh from watchmen and aquaman is the new lead character and i know i know hg you saw nita costa's uh previous film right 
Yeah, her debut film, Little uh, Little Woods, is excellent. A really underseen movie from last year that was uh, kind of like Hell or High Water, but with uh, two female characters, two sisters played by Tessa Thompson and Lily James. And uh, it's really excellent, really dark and uh, and sort of bleak, but just uh, fantastically well done. And I'm, I'm really excited to see where Nia DaCosta's uh, career is going from there. I don't really know much about Candyman. I haven't seen the original film, and I can't say I'm super excited about it. But I, I will probably see whatever Nia DaCosta has next. Yeah, I love that Jordan Peele is using his power to like take directly like Nia DaCosta who make these tiny but well-made and well-liked thrillers that nobody saw, and saying, "Hey, let's have you take on this remake and let's do something interesting with it." Let's say, you know, and. Uh, I think the first Candyman is a bona fide classic. It's one of my favorite horror movies of the 90s. I love it to death. Uh, but Jordan Peele and Nita Costa doing a modern update on this, this you know, uh, African-American urban legend horror story is so exciting to me. I voted for this one alongside Chris. I know it's And it sounds like we may have swung HT to our side. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'll How throw my you? support in. How about you, Ben? Does Candyman I, make your list? I should have voted for this because I saw the original Candyman um, probably when I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13 or something. And remember thinking that it was so different than a lot of the other sort of schlocky horror movies that I was watching around that time. Uh, even though like the I remember going to Blockbuster and looking at the VHS cover and seeing, you know, like a, a bunch of uh, bees around an eyeball or something and thinking like, oh, man, this is just going to be you know, a, a movie filled with creepy imagery. And while it does have that, it's also like intellectually stimulating in a way that a lot of the its contemporaries weren't. And and I think uh, updating that story um, in, in the hands of a bunch of black filmmakers is a really, really fascinating thing for 2020. So yeah, I, I completely missed that this movie was on our list, but I would have voted for it if I if I had seen it. I've Brad never seen Peter. Candy. I've never seen Candyman. So it's like, I and, I've, I, and I haven't seen that that other film so I, I i have nothing to go on but your guys excitement that's what i'm saying yeah it's that's fair uh brad what do you think uh yeah i don't have anything against this necessarily i also haven't seen the original candy man i do like the talent involved and i am um i wouldn't say that i'm not interested in, in seeing this movie it's just not one that i was super excited about that's fair uh so here's my question for uh brad and peter once you are on the events is our passion enough for you to let on to the top 25 or do you think we should move in discussion for now? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's tough since we had, I don't know, I guess so much since there's a few couple movies on in discussion that have more support, I feel like it would be weird to just throw it on the list based solely on that. Yeah, I'd say, I would say in discussion. In discussion is is increasingly crowded with movies that I think are going to be battling out in the end game here. Um, I'm happy, but I'm happy Candyman's in in discussion at all. I, th- I think it, we'll be talking about it some more. Uh, Chris, go ahead and nominate another one. Uh, Candyman. No, I mean mm-hmm. look at the. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll go with Antlers. Um, that is a movie that looks really really creepy. Um. <laughs> Uh, I've actually read the short story it's based on, um, and the short story, I don't have this name for any, but it, it's by the guy who created uh, Channel Zero, which is a, a really great horror TV show that a lot of people uh, do. Nick Costa. Yes, Nick Costa, and he actually co-wrote the screenplay, too. And um, it just uh, it, it just looks very disturbing-looking. Um, Guillermo del Toro is one of the producers. Uh, Scott Cooper is directing it, and... 
even though he has some clunkers to his name, like uh, Black Mass, he's he's got a very interesting visual style. I, I really liked his anti-Western hostiles, which a lot of people didn't see, but that movie is unrelentingly bleak. And if he's bringing that sort of mentality to this, I'm, I'm very curious to see what he does with that. Can I say something very confusing, dear Chris, that may make you sigh and bury your head? Okay. <laughs> I'm very, very worried if we put antlers on this list, there won't be any room for Candyman. I think people will say there's too much horror on this list if you have Candyman and antlers. How dare those people say that? Um, I don't, I don't, I mean, if I had to pick between antlers and Candyman, I would probably pick. I oh, mean, I don't know, because I've seen footage of antlers and it looks really good, but Candyman is more interesting. So I don't know. I don't know which one I would have to pick between those two. I don't know. I don't know, Jacob. I don't know. HD, you voted for Antlers as well. I'm really intrigued by Antlers. I, I like the trailer a lot. And if we do, if it does come down between Kenny Man and Antlers, I probably would pick Antlers because I love me some GDT and Carrie Russell. Oh, boy. Oh, if Antlers makes this list and Kenny Man doesn't, I'll be a sad, sad person. But uh, Antlers has a trailer. Yeah, you know, we've seen a lot more, so that gives it a definite edge. Uh, Peter, Brad, have you guys seen the trailer for Antlers? I have, and it looked uh, extremely creepy and unsettling, and it's one that I am interested in, but I, it, um, I'm it, i much more cautious about horror because I think that it, it is... that You can make a really good trailer for a horror movie, and it doesn't always uh, work out in the end with a movie, and so I'm, I'm overly cautious when it comes to that, but I, I am interested in it. Yeah, I'm also interested, but not like, I don't know, I, nothing here is like super exciting. I mean, if Del Toro was directing or something like that, like, you know, he's produced a lot of stuff that I haven't uh, loved. Hmm. <laughs> Why don't we do this? Why don't we put both Antlers and Candyman on the list? <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Um, I'm not against either of these. It's just here, here, like we we only have ten films or something like left to put on this list. I will pro- I will propose a, a deal. What's your deal, Brad? You can put Candyman on the list if you put Ghostbusters on the list. Ah, uh, my deal is going to be you can put Ghostbusters on the list if you put Rebecca on the list. <laughs> wow. <laughs> how about how about how about all three? Candyman, Ghostbusters, uh. Uh, and Rebecca, I'll make the list. We begin our cycle anew. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. I'll sure. Go, I'll go for that. You know what? I think that, that's an incredible deal. Look, look at us being democracy. Look at this, guys. My, my, my only hesitation here after do, this is done is we can only put six more films on this list, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so here's what I want to do. Now we've gone cycle through all of us once. There are a lot of movies on this list that. Don't straight up don't stand a chance. Um, but I want to make sure we give a shout out to everything we've nominated because there's stuff here that even as I make the list, I want to make sure it's on our readers' radar. So I'll, I'll you know and I'll go go a little bit out of order, but I'll, I'll start. Escape Room Two. I nominated it. I'm the only one who did. I think Escape Room is such a pleasant surprise. It's it's better than all the Saw movies. It uses that basic premise of here are a bunch of traps, but in a much more clever, fun way. Escape Room Two. Same creative team coming this year. It's in the, I am really excited. I'm going to be there opening night. I am deleting it from this list because it's straight up not going to make this list. Uh, I got so one. I th- oh, yeah. What do you got, Peter? Boss Level. Is, I, I, I'm the only one that put this on this list. This is Joe Carnahan, who I really enjoy. And it's uh, 
who is it? Frank Grello stars in it. It's a retired special forces officer is trapped in a never ending time loop on the day of his death. It, I, I love time loop movies. I love, uh, you know, Edge of T- Tomorrow or uh, whatever the live, die, repeat, whatever it's called nowadays. And it feels like this could be like a harder hitting version of that. Uh, sadly, it has Mel Gibson in it, too, which I know give a, a bad taste in some people's mouths. Um, but uh, and I d- just don't think it's going to hit our the next six films on this list but i wanted yeah. to mention and put it on people's radar deleting boss level okay guys this feels good let's start, let's start killing more titles kill them all all right i'll go next uh, i'm gonna give a shout out to emma which i don't think will make the list because it's a period drama and there already seems to be a uh sort of a bias against it i've we struggled way more for rebecca than i thought we would uh but this is the jane austen adaptation by autumn de wild starring Anya Taylor-Joy. It was uh, previously made into a film starring Gwyneth Paltrow and a modern adaptation uh, starring Alicia Silverstone, Clueless. And Emma is one of the funniest, most satirical uh, stories by Jane Austen. It's one of the stories that really brings up her comedic, satirical side. And um, I think that a lot of people write off Jane Austen's books as being so romantic and gushy, but uh, Emma is one of the examples of why she's a really funny, really um, subversive writer. And uh, I was really excited about the trailer, too, because it looked extremely sharp and um, and witty. And I really was, uh, I thought that was such a fun uh, approach to it. Bill Nye also looked hilarious in it. So that I think we can t- cut because uh, no one here likes costume dramas except for me, apparently. I actually, <laughs> I actually will say that I love the trailer for, for Emma. I think it looks fantastic. It's just not one that I'm like, I would call my most anticipated, but I do think that it looks good. Okay. All right. This and, feels good. Let's cut and, it. Cut it. And, <laughs> Another one we will cut uh, is Minari, which is a film written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung. It stars Steven Yun. Uh, it's about a Korean-American boy in the 1980s who moves uh, with his family to rural Arkansas and uh, is about this Korean-American family just kind of uh, living and trying to make their do in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's a. It seems like a really uh, nice and subtle and... Um, really moving uh, kind of coming of age slash family drama. And Steven Yeun, I think, hasn't made a bad choice since he uh, left The Walking Dead. He's made really interesting films like Okja, Sorry to Bother You, the Korean film Burning. And um, I was really interested to see where he what he did with this uh, in this drama. But um, it's going to be debuting at Sundance later this month. So um, but we can cut that. And um, another one I will cut is Promising Young Woman. This is one that I wasn't really on my radar until I watched the trailer and was really intrigued by it. It stars Carrie Mulligan as a young woman who takes revenge on quote-unquote nice guys. She pretends she's drunk and gets taken home by a guy who's who's trying to take care of her, but then when he... uh, usually tries to make a move on her she ends up enacting revenge in some way it's directed by emerald fennel and i was really excited to see carrie mulligan take on a role in which she wasn't a young ingenue or a sad wife and uh, she seems so (laughs) she seems so um just like sharp and vengeful in this film and uh it looks really fun but that's promising young women and we can take that off that sounds interesting that sounds almost like that um the ellen page movie does anybody remember that um yeah hard candy hard candy yeah I really like that. I I want to propose a cut that I didn't nominate. Uh, I want to propose that we don't let anywhere near this list The Conjuring, Devil Made Me Do It, because I think The Conjuring (laughs) 1 and 2 are some of my favorite films of all time. Like Genuinely, I've seen them all at least 10 times. I even like The Nun. I even like the Annabelle films. 
but Michael Chavez is directing Conjuring 3. The Devil Made Me Do It. And he directed uh, The Curse of La Llorona, the only Conjuring Universe film that is straight up bad and I refuse to see again. It does not belong on this list. Chris, your defense. <laughs> uh, I don't really have much of one. I just, I really like the Conjuring movies. I really like the Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson connection. I, I just think they're great together, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight for this. So no. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to cut a movie, but I'm going to replace it w- with a different movie because I didn't realize that this was the title of this movie or that it was coming out this year. Um, and I was just reminded of it because it was just named the opening night film of the South by Southwest film festival. And uh, so Taylor Swift, Miss Americana, I'm genuinely interested in because I really enjoy uh, documentaries that really like go behind the scenes of like a superstar like that, especially when it, like when it comes to them touring and doing all the promotional shit that they have to do. I, I, I'm fascinated by it. Uh, all the time, even if it's an artist that I'm not super into. But I do enjoy Taylor Swift in general, so I am interested in that movie, but I would like to replace it with The King of Staten Island, which is Judd Apatow's new movie starring Pete Davidson. Um, And that's one that I'm very excited to see because it is inspired by Pete Davidson's life, who has a very unique and and odd life, uh, even being such a young comedian, uh, which includes having his father uh, die on September 11th, 2001, as a firefighter um, fighting during... Uh, after the the terrorist attacks on that day, Bill Burr is also in it. Marissa Tomei is in it. Uh, Pamela Adlon is is in it. Steve Buscemi and it's a Judd Apatow movie, so I'm always excited for that. I'm not sure if it's going to get support from anybody else. So if anybody else thinks that that will be cut, then that's fine. I just wanted to put it out there and make sure that I mention it. What if we love Judd Apatow but think Pete Davidson is awful? I don't blame you because I think Pete, Pete Davidson can be kind of terrible from time to time and. Uh, but but I do think that he has a very good uh, comedian. It's his personal life and uh, behavior and personality that is kind of upsetting to me. But he is an outstanding stand-up comedian, and he shines best when he's at the Weekend Update desk. Um, but much like uh, Trainwreck, John Apatow's movie with Amy Schumer, I thought that it showed a different side of Amy Schumer and was a really fantastic uh, romantic comedy. So th- I think that's why I'm forgiving of P. Davidson's um sins as it were you guys might think less of me because when i say this but i am intrigued by pete davidson and i'm sorry (laughs) he's intriguing he's very intriguing but would you support uh the king of staten island making the list ht i'm actually interested in it i didn't know about it either but um brad's pitch about it makes me intrigued again so i wonder how pete Pete davidson has been uh, branching out more into dramatic roles and doing uh, a feature film role so i wonder how he'd do in a role where he's um the lead and carrying the entire film um so i am interested and um yeah i don't i can't explain it but i i somehow something makes me interested or drawn to pete davidson i don't know why and i'm Maybe um, maybe something's wrong with me, but maybe it's uh, yeah, just just put it out there. To sweeten the deal for to sweeten the deal for you indie fans out there, Belle Powley is also in this movie from Diary of a Teenage Girl. All right, I have put King of Staten Island in discussion uh, as a late entry. Um, looking over the rest of this list, I'm gonna kill Saint Maud, a new A24 horror movie. Uh, I really want to see this. We reviewed it at a Fantastic Fest. I know Chris saw it as well. Uh, it's by all accounts really, really good. Uh, if Chris wants to say something in a second, please do. But I don't think it's going to make the list, especially in a, a list that already has a few horror films wrapped. Uh, Chris, how is St. Maud? 
It's really, really good. It's it's it was probably my favorite movie I saw at Fantastic Fest. So don't sleep on it, people, but I also don't think it'll make the list. So yeah. I well, I'll cut free guy. Um I'm actually kinda surprised that this didn't have any other support. I think this movie looks I really almost fun. went for it. It's it's a I think it's a unique approach to a video game movie. Uh Ryan Reynolds obviously is a big draw. Uh Jody Comer is in it as well. Um but yeah. If it doesn't have the support, I'm not going like, to push huge for it, but I think that it looks really fun. I want to cut uh, another one. I want to cut uh, The uh, the Way Back. This is a film coming from Gavin O'Connor, who did Pride and Glory, did Warrior, um, also did The Accountant. Um, but this is, I mean, it's called The Way Back, and it stars Ben Affleck, and I really think this is probably going to be Ben Affleck's uh, comeback film of sorts. And he plays kind of a former high school uh, basketball phenom who is struggling with alcoholism who is hired to work at uh his old school and uh he's looking he's set for a road of redemption here and uh, it kind of parallels affleck and i think it might be an award play and uh a big comeback kind of thing but i i you know it's tough to get it in this this next six films yeah i I agree it looks promising but i'm not sure if it makes the list and sorry to pick on your picks uh Peter, but after Godzilla King of the Monsters, are you still excited for Godzilla versus Kong? Um, I am because okay, well, <laughs> I would love to see a big budget American Godzilla vs. Kong. I liked Godzilla, the the Gareth Edwards film, and I loved uh, Skull Island. Uh, so I, I I've liked two out of the three. I really did not like. <laughs> the film that you just mentioned, um, and this has Ad- Adam Wingard directing. So I, I, I don't know. I was, I'm still kind of curious. I don't know. Excited might not be a word. I'm hesitant because you know that that last one was kind of an abomination of sorts. But uh, I, I really want to see Godzilla and Kong go at it on the big screen, and I want to see what Adam Wingard can do with you know some big Hollywood cash. Uh, my my one concern is that Adam Wingard's biggest film to date, after making some very promising indies like uh, You're Next and The Guest, he went and and made uh, Death Note, which is abysmal. And I so I, I and this plus King I never Monsters, saw that. Oh, it's bad. And King of the Monsters makes me wonder what is the vision of this series? If if they couldn't get King of the Monsters right, can they get Godzilla vs Kong right? I I don't know if the answer is yes. I'm willing to let it go if you guys want to let it go, but uh, I, I I do think it's I don't know I do think it has the potential to be like a cool film. Yeah, to me it seems like a note, like a uh, like a footnote movie, like a noteworthy movie maybe, but not something that should be on the list. I don't know. That's just me, I guess. Hanging yeah, gl- monsters is really bad. Yeah. I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm glad Godzilla vs Kong is being mentioned because it is a major release and it will hopefully be a big deal and hopefully a good movie. But if this list is about expectations, but what like what are we actively pumped to see? I just I can't bring myself to be excited for Godzilla vs Kong. I can't believe I'm saying that, but that's the case. Really, but I I feel like you're you're excited for you're excited for the Invisible Man, and we've come off of like a hundred bad Universal monster movies. Yeah, but we've come and off this some is really one good bad... Lee Wanel movies. What? We've come off some really good Lee Wanel movies though. And there's a trailer for Invisible Man, so that helps. Yeah. That gives it an edge. But Adam Wingard has two great films. Oh no, I I I I think we're being unfairly critical of, of this one. I I know that you know 
the the last Godzilla film was bad, but I I really think Skull Island was was a lot of it was like a a big budget B movie that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think Skull Island's good. I think Gareth Edwards Godzilla is straight up great. Uh, but I don't know, man. Uh, how about we move Godzilla vs Kong to in discussion for now? Okay, can, even though it sounds rather, like rather it's not going to make it. <laughs> well, I'm not. Look, if enough other people support you, I, 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 I will step aside. But right now, I have a hard time seeing it on this list. Yeah. Ben, you've been awfully quiet. I want you to kill something. Um, man, I'm really trying to not kill something that Peter wants. Um, but it's difficult because the only thing that I really feel like... Okay, well, no, this is another one that Peter wants, but I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest killing it anyway. Uh, how about Jungle Cruise? Can we take that off this list? Oh boy, I am excited for Jungle Cruise too, Peter. I just I I just watched The African Queen for the first time, and seeing the like how good that movie is, and the the dynamic between, and like how um natural and like uh real that movie feels and and then comparing it to the trailer for jungle cruise it's just it jungle cruise looks so much worse in every conceivable way um even though i love emily blunt she's like one of my favorite working actresses and uh, yeah i just I, I think jungle cruise looks like a really bad jumanji style movie and i just i, I can't get behind it it's it's Wong Kulit Sarah who did uh the shallows and other crazy movies that i love in the Disney realm, I just don't think he's going to be. I think he's going to be so much on the leash that that it's not going to feel like a movie from him. I, I feel like, uh, you know, all of the edges are going to be sanded down because this is such a family friendly Disney, you know, four quadrant kind of thing. And he doesn't really make those movies. He makes like uh, sort of gnarly, <laughs> like gritty movies that are weird and leave you feeling like, how the hell did he get away with doing this? And I just don't think they're that any of that spirit is going to come through in Jungle Cruise. Well, what about Gore Verbinski in the first Pirates movie, which is such a terrific movie. It's just, it's Gore Verbinski all the way through. And we can see what we want with the sequels, especially the fourth and fifth ones. But I think there's room in the in a first franchise entry for Syrah to, um, sorry, Colette Syrah to really put his fingerprints into the Disney clay and make this his. And Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt is such an enticing combo. And, I know it's based on a theme park ride, but theme park rides are broad enough they can just tell a big adventure story. I, I'm not prepared to kill this. I, I'm, I won't let you kill it yet, Ben. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jungle Cruise is one of my favorite rides at Disneyland. Uh, I will admit that the trailer for this gives me some pause and some hesitation. I do love uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I, I love Emily Blunt. I, uh, I'm not sure this the trailers are selling me on it. I'll say that much, but I do think... If this is done right, it could be another Pirates of the Caribbean. The question is, is it done right? Um. Okay, Jacob, is, am I supposed to be killing something else now? Is that what's happening? I think we're all <laughs> firing into the crowd at this point. So if you see us you want to kill, let's do it. I'm moving John Cruz into a, in discussion. Um. Can I make a proposal? Well, not a proposal, but uh, can we take Black Widow off this list since we already have Eternals on there and all of the trailers for Black Widow so far have just been really bad have they they have what are those russian accents they're like or whatever it's like 
Really? Um, well, yeah. Let, let, Florence is not... great, but yeah, the Russian accents are, in, are interesting. <laughs> yeah, but let's. I mean, let's let's not act like that. That Russian accents haven't been done like that for years in Hollywood, and it's not always a detriment necessarily. What, what, what is that costume that he's wearing? <laughs> that's the Red Guardian costume, Peter. Do you any, know anything about Red Guardian? I don't know. It looks like something I... out of like a Deadpool movie or something. I mean, uh, no, it, yeah. it looks it looks it looks like Captain America's original suit, but in Russian red. That's exactly what what it is. I personally think this looks interesting. At least I'm not like going to die hard defend it. But for me, the presence of Florence Pugh, David Harbour, and Rachel Weisz is all I need to know to feel like I'm at least excited to see this movie. Yeah, I voted for this, but I'm also looking at our in discussion list, and there are probably six movies I would choose over Black Widow. It, although I disagree with it. Look bad. I think it was like fun. I think David Harbour wearing a, an old school costume he hasn't worn in years uh, is, is a really good gag. I, I don't think it looks bad at all. Uh, but at the same time, I'm willing to let Black Widow go if it means getting other things on this list, especially since Marvel's already wrapped with Eternals. I it, voted for this. <laughs> oh, I just want to say I voted for this too, and I'm also not like super diehard for it, but I am interested. It's, it did like pique my interest after I thought that this was a movie that uh, had long um, sort of passed it's time to come, but I am, so they've got, they got me back with Florence Pugh and Rachel Weisz. And, uh, so I am interested because of that. And, um, so I am a little hesitant to cut it, but, uh, I guess we already have our Marvel film. All right. I'm cutting Black Widow and HT. I noticed you added your initials next to a movie that we haven't talked about yet. Yes, actually, I hadn't realized that this was a film uh, on the list, and uh, I was looking it up. I was wondering why yeah. you didn't vote for it. I was so I shocked. I, I, I totally missed it when we were doing our initial list, but now I fully put my vote behind this. All right, and this that's... belongs on the list. What, yeah, give us a hard sell because this belongs on the list. I will fight hard for this one. Go, go, yes. go, HG. Uh, it's Raya and the Last Dragon. This is a Disney animated film directed by Paul Briggs and Dean Wellens and co-directed by John Rippa. Uh, screenplay by Adele Lim and stars Cassie Steele and Aquafina. It's a, about a young warrior named Raya who searches for the last dragon in the world. It's, I think, the first Asian-led Disney film, uh, apart from, you know, Mulan, for example. And uh, this is, a, at least in this new generation, it's the first. And so it's it's quite exciting. And um, I, yeah, I'm all about seeing Aquafina in her rising status in the world. And uh, this seems like uh, something that is going to be done in a culturally sensitive way, as well as just being really fun and really original. Um, and uh, I, I'm quite interested in this i can't wait to i'm i'm sorry that i missed the first time and i completely throw my support behind this yeah ryan the last dragon i mean it's disney animation uh riding high right now they're coming off a string of movies i love aquafina dragons and it's not a highly trained dragon movie it's, a, it's proper asian dragons so you know what I, I uh this i think we need some disney animation on this list i think this is the most promising non-pixar thing disney has coming out next year or this year ben, ben and how i saw you, how dare you Sneak a How to Train Your Dragon dig in there, Jacob. Yeah, first of all, dragons exist in both European mythology and Chinese yeah, mythology. Yeah, yeah. They're very different dragons. I know. And... I'm just I'm just trying to rib all of you. Whatever, Jacob. Anyways, it's also coming up on Lunar New Year slash Chinese New Year, so we have to get this in. Yeah. Uh, ben and I saw some footage from this at, what was it, Cin- CinemaCon? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I remember it looking so unique and beautiful and interesting. I don't remember why that it's been so long but i remember it not looking like the typical animated you know disney animated movie yeah put it in it sounds to me like raya and the last dragon belongs on this list 
Yeah, put on the list. I'm not going to fight it. The, the 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 dragon has flown over the top gun and made it on the list. Yeah. All right, guys, we have six slots left, so let's go ahead and let's, let's lock in one more and look at our look at look at the five remaining ones. So, here's the one we should lock in, Jacob. Fast and Furious Nine, baby. <laughs> F go yes. to hell. Absolutely not. Uh, I will <laughs> go there, ring on the doorbell, and say, "Hey, guess what? The only reason you're in hell is because you're not going to be able to watch Fast and Furious Nine, and I am because Justin Lin is back, baby. He's the director who gave this whole franchise so much life and and really resurrected it from the you know pulled it back from the brink of oblivion. Uh, Daniel Casey is writing the script this time, so it's not going to be the same exact thing that we've seen before. And and I think that's a good thing because the fate of the furious, the, the previous main saga entry in this franchise was very middling, but I'm excited about the uh, combination of some new blood in the writing and uh, a veteran director who really loves and lives and breathes this franchise coming back. And you've got new additions in there. You've got John Cena, you've got Michael Rooker in there too. So I feel like Brad, you should be on board just with those uh, additions alone. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see what uh, what Justin Lin does with this movie, which is supposed to be, you know, like a return to form for a franchise that's kind of gone off the rails a little bit. Ben, I have to ask, what do you think about Dwayne Johnson not returning for Fast and Furious Nine? Uh, I am totally fine with that, honestly. Like I, I, you know, was all about his addition to the franchise in Fast Five when it happened, but I, I'm really souring on Dwayne Johnson like more and more by the day these days. So, uh, you know, get getting him out of there. I, I think the drama, the the behind the scenes drama, is a part of what hurt the fate of the furious so just you know completely excising him from this movie should uh, uh, like free things up in an interesting way to tell the story that they want to tell so um and the addition of those those new actors and stuff i think can fill the the you know bicep size hole that he leaves behind boo yeah i was initially i was initially opposed to this because i think fate of the furious and hobbs and shaw were both rough rough experiences but ben's passion and lynn returning I I would not be unhappy with this on the list. Yeah, I'm excited for Lynn's return. I mean, he he made some of the best Fast and the Furious movies thus thus far. But I I do agree with you. The last couple have been kind of not so great. And I'm wondering, yeah, what, what, was that's... that because of the the struggle behind the scenes, or you know, now that Dwayne Johnson is out of the picture, maybe that makes things easier to make a good Fast and the Furious movie. That's what I'm hoping for. And and I love Chris Morgan. He's like a really nice guy and a smart producer who's been attached to this franchise for a long time. But the fact that he's not writing it and there's a new writer coming in um, gives me a lot of hope for being able to freshen this up even more. This does not bode well for Top Gun. <laughs> uh, I'd say Fast and Furious 3, 5, 6, and 7 are, are all better films than Top Gun. <laughs> Fast and Furious <laughs> 3, yeah. Tokyo Drift. You know what? Fast and Furious 1 and 2, better than Top Gun. Hobbs and Shaw, better than Top Gun. Oh, no. That's too far. Not true. Open your window and leap out of it right now. <laughs> Seriously, the last time you saw Top Gun, it had to have been with, with something sitting on your face. Uh, the on my face was the legacy of Ronald Reagan's America, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Uh, Sounds like Fast and Furious 9 is in there. It does. It really does. No, it doesn't. 
Uh, I well, tried. I tried. Uh, here's my here's my thing. I think each of us has, has a pet movie on this list. A movie that we personally fought hard for, for like Brad and Peter Ghostbusters, uh, for me and Chris Invisible Man, Candyman, HT Rebecca. I Ben has been kind of sitting back quietly, biding his time, being polite and kind, not poking <laughs> any bears, waiting for Fast and Furious, and here he is. And I think we should reward him for waiting this long and being this kind about it when he could be being incredibly cruel about it. He hasn't been. I'm hitting ben, the NOS button at just the right time. <laughs> are you more excited? Are you more excited for Fast and Furious Nine than Top Gun? Oh God, that's tough because we haven't seen a trailer for Fast Nine yet, and I really, really like the the trailers for Top Gun Maverick. But um, I think if we got Fast and if we got Fast Nine onto the list and Top Gun had to fall by the wayside, I think I would be okay with that. Wow, <laughs> I feel betrayed. Look, I'll, I'll make I'll make you a deal. I will delete coming to America to, uh, to get Fast and Furious Nine on this list. Oh, that one! That one! Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no one like you didn't even have your name on coming to America. I know that is my attempt to get coming to America off this list. Yeah. It you, be on do you here. also hate coming to America? What, what, what's your problem? What do you mean it shouldn't be on this list? Eddie Murphy is in the middle of a huge comeback right now, and the original Coming to America is a bona fide classic that has not uh, been ruined by time. Okay, then, Brad. Here's the deal: Fast and Furious Nine and Coming to America on this list right now. Let's do it. Done. <laughs> Done. All right. Wait. I agree with this. Wait, what? What? <laughs> what happened? What happened? <laughs> Coming to America and Fast and Furious 9 on this list, holding hands together. I mean, I'm okay with it, but uh, my names are on America. both of those. <laughs> They're a package deal for me. I let both on together. I, I just want to say that I was really turned around to Eddie Murphy after his just his dynamite performance in Dolomite, and I did like the original Coming to America, so I th- fully support Coming to America, Coming to America in this list. Yes. Yeah, um, in terms of just like the action franchises, I don't really care about, and like Fast and Furious Nine and Top Gun. Uh, I guess Fast and Furious Nine is fine. I'm a little sad that we were missing the shirtless volleyball scene from Top Gun. But that was the only good part. There, about there the are still Top more Gun slots left after we add these two. All right. Make... Yep, I'm fine with this. Look, I, I I think my ploy worked. We got we got Fast and Furious Nine on this list with Brad's support. Look at that, guys! Democracy. <laughs> can, can i cut one and uh, i'll even it, it's even mine so it's not even like uh, i'm gonna cut one and do a pitch pitch for one yeah go for it um the witches this is based on the roland Dahl uh book uh which has already been made into a movie uh what in the 80s i think or early 90s something like that yeah, I think the early 90s, but yeah, Nicholas Rogue did that one. Yeah, and this tells the story of, you know, a seven-year-old boy who has encounter with witches, and it's a book that I loved as a kid, and it has uh, Robert Zemeckis, who is one of, you, growing up, he was one of my favorite directors. He directed, you know, Back to the Future, and, and a lot of great movies in the 80s and 90s, uh, and uh, recently he fell into a hole of uh, technology, and he's been kind of crawling his way out of that. I'm hoping that this might be like a good balance of that, of like, you know, using uh, his technology to push, th- uh, you know, the storytelling, but not like overtaking it in a way that it looks like Pol- Polar Express or something like that. Um, but I, I don't think I'm going to get any support on this one. So I'm, I'm cutting this one. 
Yeah, I mean, oh. that's, you're right, Peter. It's, it's a great book, but Zemeckis... I just realized I read this book. I forgot yeah. about this. I didn't know it was based off the Roald Dahl book. Yeah, huh. Robert Zemeckis has not made a good movie in so long. Yeah. Um, okay, so the, the one I want to pitch, after removing that, that was mine, is I want to pitch... Uh, Chaos Walking. This is a film from Doug Lyman, who uh, has directed some great films. He's directed uh, what? He directed Swingers. He directed Go. He directed Edge of Tomorrow, The Born Identity. And this is his latest film. It doesn't have a release date on the schedule, but it's coming out in 2020. And I think that's probably why some people didn't put this on their list initially. Uh, it is written by Char- Charlie Kaufman, who, you know, is the craziest screenwriter working in Hollywood. He did Schenectady, New York. He did uh, Eternal Sunshine, being John Malkovich. And this is a movie about, it's set in a dystopian world where there's no women and all the living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images and sounds. That sounds nuts to me. That sounds so Charlie Kaufman. Like, you know, Doug Lyman did a great job with Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, This has Daisy Ridley in it. It has Tom Holland uh, Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Nick Jonas. Uh, like, I don't know. Why is my name the only one next to this on the list? Hasn't this been delayed like 17 times? That's I feel why. like yeah. yeah, I think that's why. For it got too. delayed because they had to do reshoots. A times. Yeah, but yeah, and have they been reshooting for a year and a half? Well, Doug, also, Doug Lyman's films do that a lot. Like that is something that he goes through. Many like in many of his movies, uh, Edge of Tomorrow did that. You know, had notorious problems with that, and that ended up being a great film. I just want to point out that Charlie Kaufman uh, was rewritten by Jamie Linden, Patrick Ness, Lindsay Beer, Gary Spinelli, and John Lee Hancock. That's too many writers. <sighs> the premise is really intriguing, but I remember seeing so many stories about this. You know, getting reshot, getting delayed. So. I don't. I hesitate putting it on our most anticipated 2020 list if we don't even know for sure that's coming out 2020. Plus, Doug Lyman's sci-fi record is 50-50. He yes, he did Edge of Tomorrow, but he also made Jumper. I love Jumper. You don't like Jumper? I like, I like the idea of Jumper, but I think that is a bad movie. Uh... All right, Peter. I'll leave it up to you. Is this in discussion or deleting after that conversation? And by the way, this is based on a novel from. Uh... From the same guy that uh, that wrote a Monster Calls, I believe. I don't know. It, it sounds like I'm the only one pushing for this, but I, I feel like this is going to be a big movie. I would like to have it in discussion, but I, I feel like it's it's not going to happen because it seems like I, I will. I will admit that I like the concept for sure. I'm just very leery that it's actually going to be good. I'm actually. I I think it could be good. I'm interested in it a lot, but I just don't know if it'll be out this year. I'm going to propose a series of cuts because we, we're in discussion is too big to fill the remaining slots. So these bottom movies, I think we need to have some serious talks about. I'm going to suggest we cut Malignant, a movie Chris and I voted for. One, because we already have a lot of horror on the list, a lot of horror we're really excited for. And Malignant is the new James Wan horror movie. I'm very excited. But other than James Wan horror, we know nothing else. So I'd rather pick my fights and cut it. Uh, Chris, do you agree? Yeah, I'm all right with that. All right, I'm going to suggest for similar reasons we cut The Turning, uh, which is not even the most exciting adaptation of The Turning of the Screw coming out next year. The, the, the most exciting one is Mike Flanagan's sequel to Haunting of Hill House, adapting the same story. Also, doesn't that yeah. come out like next week? Yeah, it yeah. comes out this month, so I was going to suggest cutting that too. 
All right. Honest just because Gretel and Hansel. I think Chris only voted for it. I love Osgood Perkins' previous movies, uh, but in a horror-heavy list, uh, I'm not sure Gretel and Hansel makes the cut. That's fine. I'm going to just be cut the trial of Chicago 7. Uh, Brad, you only want to vote for this? Do you, do you want to talk about this one or send it off? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm honestly surprised that it, more people are interested in this because this is written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. And uh, I didn't love Molly's Game, but Aaron script, uh, Sorkin's scripts are always sharp and fantastic. And uh, the cast of this movie is, is also fan, um, outstanding. We have Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, uh, Jeremy Strong, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Franklin Jella, Mark Rylance, Michael Keaton, William Hurt. Um, it's, it's got an incredible cast, and it's based on a very uh, prominent moment in uh, history when there were these huge countercultural protests at the Democratic National Convention in 1968, um, uh, opposed to the Vietnam War. And it's just... Uh, this is a movie that I think Sorkin will really sizzle at. Um, I, I get flares of hopefully that's something along the lines of like a, a few good men. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's uh, why aren't you guys excited about this? Actually, I'll, I'll tell you for me, there's already a great documentary on this. And I wasn't even excited for this when Steven Spielberg was attached to direct. Crazy. Yeah. I think Aaron Sorkin, if Aaron was writing this and like, let's say Fincher was directing it, I'd be like, hell yeah. But I'm not sold in Sorkin as a, filmmaker i think molly's game is kind of boring uh when no one is directing his uh, he's too much in love with his characters talking to let the, the cinema flourish around them and i have a hard time getting excited for this oh my gosh Fair i'm on the exact same boat with you uh jacob because i think that aaron sorkin soars best when he is being directed by a really good director who knows how to push his dialogue into really interesting visual um flourishes Yeah, uh, Brad, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was good. I, I will definitely see it. But I, with four slots left, I just don't see it making it. That's fine. I just wanted to talk about it and tell everyone that they're crazy for not being excited about an Aaron Sorkin movie. Yeah. Uh, HT, um, I hate to say this, but I'm not sure Mulan has room on this list. Oh, well, I just wanted to give a pitch for it because I know we're all tired of Disney live-action remakes and how they are shot-for-shots of the animated classics that are needlessly remade. But I find myself to be excited for Mulan. This is the movie directed by Nikki Caro and uh, starring Liu Yufei, uh, as well as a host of other Chinese, well-known Chinese and Chinese-American actors such as Donnie Yen, Jet Li, Gong Li, um, Jason and Jason Scott Lee. Um, and uh, I think that this is so interesting because Nikki Caro decides to not do a shot-for-shot shot remake. She does something that is really refreshing and different. The colors look gorgeous. The red of uh, Mulan's outfits and her uh, really pop amongst the sort of dreamy backgrounds that she has. And um, I think that she, that her decision to not do a musical too is just so exciting. And the fact that she doesn't include Mushu, which is a character that works when you're enjoying him as a kid and when Eddie Murphy is voicing him, but would not do well um, in a live action setting uh, is just a, a really refreshing. And um, I think it looks almost like a Disney Wuxia film, which is really cool. And um, I think that uh, if we're going to give, I mean, this is the only Disney live action film of the year that would probably be getting any attention from us, but it's the one that I think is the most exciting that we're going to have in a long time. I was excited when I first saw the first like teaser. It looked like really good. Uh, uh, not to rain on your parade, HD, but they did a lot of reshoots for this, and I've I've talked to people who have seen it and they didn't like it. <laughs> oh man! What if uh, we think that 
Uh, when it comes to Disney making Asian-centric adventure stories, Raya and the Last Dragon just seems a lot more promising. I, I mean, you're probably right about that. And uh, if I were to bet on it, I would probably bet on Raya as well. But um, yeah, just want to give a shout out to Mulan. And um, oh, well, I guess. I will say that the, or- the orchestral cover of Reflection in the trailer gives me chills every time. I will say that much. By the way, isn't it crazy that we're coming off a year where Disney had $7 billion hits? And this coming year, I think I saw Scott Mendelson say that he doesn't think anything is going to surpass uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, which just went over a billion dollars, like in this next year. Like that there's not anything certain for Disney. Yeah, it feels like a rebuilding year for them. It's crazy. All right, I'm staring down the barrel of the Many Saints of Newark, the Sopranos movie sequel or prequel. Uh, Chris, did anyone have voted for this? Uh, uh, I have been very quiet this entire episode. I'm fighting for this. This should be on the list. I know we haven't seen a single bit of footage about it, but it's it's what David is this, Chris? Ch- this is the it's a prequel to the Sopranos, and that idea isn't enough to get me excited. But the fact that David Chase, who created the Sopranos, came back to write this script. Uh, it's that's very exciting to me. I'm really interested in seeing what else he has to say about this world. Now, I know a lot of people on the show somehow have not watched The Sopranos, which is crazy to me. So maybe that's why you're not voting for it. But I have. It's oh, you yeah, did you? Too. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I I really would like this to be on the list. At the same time, I you know I I'm life has beaten me down to the point where I you know. I fight for very little, so <laughs> go ahead. Cut it if you want, but I wish it wouldn't be cut. No, I, I think the fact that you're willing to put up a fight this late in the game, Chris, I, I'll move it to in discussion. This isn't I, – I think there's a case to be made here um, because I, I, I will back you on this one because I like I'm, – I'm at the point where I like to make things in Newark more than a lot of the films of in discussion right now, so I'm moving it up there because I'm not prepared to – at this point, I think it deserves to be at least in that conversation. But how about On the Rocks, the new uh, Sofia Coppola movie, which I don't think should be on our list? Uh, ain't no big surprise. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I think you're wrong for thinking that it shouldn't be on on a list. I think it should be on the list. I'm not, but I'm not gonna like uh, fight for it like a madman. But this is Sofia Coppola's uh, new movie. It will be the um, one of the first movies released by Apple TV uh, Plus in theaters. Uh, Bill Murray is in it, and that's pretty much all I need to know to be excited for it because Lost in Translation uh, is incredible, and Sofia Coppola is an outstanding director. Chris, you also voted for this. Do you think this is uh, possible for the top uh, for the final four slots? I mean, pro- I, I don't know. I mean, I, I voted for it because I like the idea of Sofia Coppola reteaming with Bill Murray, but I mean, we haven't like seen anything of it yet, so I can understand it not exciting many people yet so i'm just torn because i love lost in translation but sophie coppola has left me cold more often than not over the rest of her filmography and that maybe that's a me problem i've actually that's really enjoyed a lot of sophia coppola's uh, coppola's last few films but i'm on the side of there's not enough that we know about this film to really be excited about it yet i actually really enjoyed the beguiled too um but uh the, the synopsis of it seems yeah. just very typical um, <laughs> family uh, dra- dystopic family drama in New York dy- uh, dysfunctional family drama in New York so I don't know um, why, why is it always in Manhattan that there's dysfunctional family drama 
Um, I, I like Jenny Slate too. Yeah, Jenny Slate. Yes, Rashida Jenny Jones, Slate's amazing. Um, Jessica Hennick, Jessica Hennick, uh, Marlon Wayans are in, is in this movie. So, but yeah, I don't know. It, it is a an A twenty four Apple TV collaboration. If that is going to pique anyone's interest, Let's see. <laughs> that, that C was so sad, Brad. I want. I want to cut this. <laughs> I really want to cut this. Not. No. No offense for anybody in this movie or involved in this movie, but looking at our in discussion column with only four slots left, I really want to cut on the rocks. Who did make that list bigger? I want yeah, to cut, cut you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Sound- so. Uh, I, th- I think now we should just probably put Halloween Kills, Top Gun, and The King of Staten Island on the list, and oh. uh, and one other one, and call it a day. Well, right. there are three films we haven't mentioned yet, um, which are <laughs> Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh, I forgot about these here. I don't know yeah. why I glossed over those. How do we feel about Bill and Ted? I mean, I voted for this more out of curiosity than affection, because I, I like those early movies. I, I just saw them for the first time you know, in the past year. I thought they were fine. I'm very, very curious to see those characters come back with William played by the same actors, Keanu Reeves uh, and Alex Winter. It's Alex Winter, right? Yeah. yeah. No, okay. Yes. Uh, much older. It's, I, I, but like I said, it's. I feel like it's more curiosity than like genuine anticipation. Does anybody? What, what do you guys think? I'm, very... I'm on the same page. Oh, I just said I'm on the same page. That's all. Oh. I'm very fond of the original Bill and Ted movies because I feel like they're a unique brand of kind stoner comedy. And um, I just I think that we also need some kind comedies in our world, and I feel like villain Ted face music will bring that back. I am a little scared of Keanu Reeves with the shaven face, though. Like it <laughs> terrifies me. He looks fifteen years older. I don't know why it's so scary, but it I don't like it. <laughs> it sounds to me like Bill and Ted something where we, we want to see, but doesn't make the, the list at this rate. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, I do want to say I, I do really want to see this, even though I didn't put my name next to it. But I just suspect that seeing Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter doing those characters is going to look like, you know, I don't know. I, I, for some reason, I'm afraid it's going to make me sad. I will say that I'm more interested in Bill and Ted face music over half of the movies we have in discussion. So in that case, HG, do you want it in the in discussion list? Yeah, you know what? Put it in discussion. Okay. All right, I think we should cut Antebellum. We don't know enough about it yet. It's the uh, horror film with Janelle Monet, but that's literally all we know, right? Yeah, it looks intriguing, but uh, not enough for me to argue for it. And we have a lot of good horror already on our list, and I, I don't want to make this a horror list. I want to I spread the love. Sure. Okay, so we have one last film we have not talked about at all yet. Uh, ben, what is I'm Thinking of Ending Things? I'm thinking of ending things is Charlie Kaufman's new movie for Netflix. The premise is a man takes his girlfriend to meet with his parents, excuse me, but they find themselves going on a terrifying detour as it becomes a twisted mix of palpable tension, psychological frailty and sheer terror. So uh, I'm not sure if that really means that Charlie Kaufman is making a, a, an out and out horror movie, or if it's just the same sort of um, psychological <laughs> dread that permeates most of his, his projects. But uh, Peter mentioned Charlie Kaufman earlier. He's like, 
yeah, one of the the most uh, I guess ambitious storytellers in Hollywood, and this cast is really good. It's got uh, Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley, Tony Collette, David Thewlis. Um, so it, it's like yeah, an, an interesting Netflix movie where uh, Netflix is one of the only places that seems to be willing to give Charlie Kaufman the money to make a movie these days because he hasn't made one since Anomalisa, um, his stop motion animated movie. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to make the cut, but I, I just wanted to put it on everybody's radar, um, Chris. Unless you want to fight, you know, really hard for this one. Uh, I'm really excited for this. I I read the book it's based on, and the book is very good. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't make this list. Uh, but I have a feeling Wait, it's good. It, can you clarify what kind of like story it is? Because like Ben said, it like. He read to him almost like it could be like a horror film of sorts. It's, it's, it's. Uh, I, I guess you could call it a psychological thriller, is what you would probably classify it as. At least that's what the book is. Charlie Kaufman might be doing something, something completely different with it, but the, the book is very much a, a psychological thriller. Hmm. I almost voted for this. It came very, very close. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> ben and Chris, you, you both sound okay cutting it. Yeah, there's no way it's going to make it. So just go ahead and cut it and get it done with. In fact, cut every movie on the list. <laughs> let's start from scratch, guys. Yeah, let's, let's start over and cut other things. <laughs> All right, guys. We have four slots remaining with these films. Halloween Kills, Bios, Top Gun Maverick, Birds of Prey, Antlers, The King of Staten Island, Godzilla vs. Kong, Jungle Cruise, Chaos Walking, The Many Saints of Newark, and Bill and Ted Face Music. And at this point... At this point, I feel okay cutting Jungle Cruise if you do, Peter. Sure. Let's cut it. Okay. So now we're down right. to 10 movies in Should... what? Four slots? Three slots? Four. Uh, four slots. Should we do the thing where we like vote for the our top four movies each yeah, how about, and then how about, you count? Let's yeah, take a moment to put, yeah, put our initials next to the four films you would support. Thrilling radio going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> Clickety-clack, clickety-clack, clack. Key noises keep people engaged. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, hmm. No, never mind. I got confused. All right. All right. Done. Done. Here's, here's interesting. This list is so mixed that BIOS now has my support. <laughs> <laughs> but based purely on one, two, three, four, five of us voted for Halloween Kills. Everybody except for uh, HT. So, um, HT, um, by sheer numbers, are you okay with Halloween Kills making the list? Yeah, I'm fine with that. And I don't hate Halloween, by the way. I like it. Why do you hate Halloween, HT? <laughs> Laurie Strode is the best final girl, so. All right. Uh, Birds of Prey has four votes. Does yeah. that mean it, it bumps right in? Yes. We're on the wrong side of history, guys. I think... <laughs> It should go in there based on potential alone. This is the most anticipated list. Yeah, it's this is the most people yeah. anticipate this list. Yeah, this, this is this what movie. we hope will be good, not the, yeah. what we know will okay. be good. There are two slots and three films that received three votes. Uh, Antlers only received two. Can we cut Antlers? Sure. Uh, all right. Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, sorry, King of Staten Island received one vote. Can we cut King of Staten Island? Yeah, 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 yeah. Godzilla vs. <laughs> Kong, one vote. Can we cut Godzilla vs. Kong? Yes. Yep. All right. Chaos Walking received one vote. Can we cut Chaos Walking? I really want to fight for Chaos Walking. It sounds like an awesome movie. All right. Then we will leave it on for a second. Bill and Ted Face Music has one vote. Can we cut Bill and Ted? Sure. Okay. Bios, Top Gun Maverick, 
Chaos Walking, The Many Saints of Newark. <laughs> we have two slots left. Two of these got to go, guys. Uh, um, Many how? Saints of Newark. Hey, HT. Yeah. I put my yeah. vote there for you. And uh, also uh, because it's uh, great. Oh, I thought um, you were saying that should go. Never mind. I oh, no, no, I said this. it should go in. Oh, well, then I support this. <laughs> Wait, did Brad just add his initials to bios? I, I did. That was my fourth one. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it looks like Case Walking's going to get cut because I'm sure the only does. person that's... But I, I'm betting you guys. I, I will bet money that that's going to be better than Birds of Prey. I Like, you knowing know what, what I know. What? I, Peter, I, Peter, I bet you're right. I, I think Doug Lyman is a really terrific filmmaker. We just don't know enough yet for me to have confidence in it. I, I think you're right. I think you're probably going to be right. I think when the when the year shakes out, or when 2021 comes out, when it comes out then, it's going to come out this year. It was done last year. There's no way I it's think not going to get shot released. in like 2017 yeah. or something, didn't they? Yeah. There's no way it's not going to get released this year. Unless oh, it gets shelved, put... and, unless it gets shelved entirely, there's no way. <laughs> All right, Peter, uh, how okay are you at, at being at peace with Chaos Walking being cut? I'm okay with it. It just bothers me that I know that Birds of Prey is a bad movie. And that's on. Well, there. you don't know because you haven't. Yeah, seen it yet. yeah, you can't yeah, like yeah, take. You don't, yeah, so much you don't know that yet. Yeah, I know it from enough people I trust. No, but if I took your word about Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, then it would be a good movie. <laughs> it is a good movie. Oh, Jesus Christ, not this. <laughs> That's so 2019. Okay. <laughs> Peter, um, in six months or whenever, when Chaos Walking is surprisingly good and we all like it, yeah. come on this podcast, shake your finger, make fun of us, talk, call us dirty names. You and have then my put mind. it on your best of 2020 yeah. list. And then we'll cut it from that when the time comes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That leaves us with three movies and two slots, guys. Bios, Top Gun, Maverick, and Many Saints in Newark. I say we cut Top Gun, move Bios and Many Saints in there, and call it a day. What? What? You're really no. Power with, you're really too much power again, Jacob. <laughs> He's just looking to steamroll. Someone has to. If Someone I had to. All right. Do, should we do a vote again? I don't know what the hell we're doing now. Let's, yeah, let's just delete the initials and do another quick roundup. Everybody vote for the two movies from this bunch that they think belong in the top two slots. Mm, man, this is really tough. Um, I just really hate the title, Bios, because it, like it sounds like something from Theranos. Like, ah, this pill will track your blood, and then it's all yeah. a scan. Um, I'm just going to say, of this whatever year? your personal thoughts about Top Gun, and I'm I'm one of those people who think the original Top Gun is just okay, um, Top Gun Maverick is, in terms of just like the overall pop culture landscape, one of the most anticipated movies, and I remember its reception at, at uh, Comic-Con being so huge, so I do think it should be in the top 25 list. Looking at pure numbers, Bios loses out the Top Gun and Many Saints. So I am willing to concede BIOS based on pure democracy because it, it always works. Yes. Okay. When has when democracy ever backfired? Jacob, your power has to be checked sometimes. Yeah. By the way, you do bring up Farsky, and that was our discussion of last year's list. That was the big yeah. uh, talking point, and that ended up being my top 20 of the of the of this year. So I did yeah. I did really like Longshot. Yeah. yeah. Right, I, I, mean, I originally 
I originally raised uh, raised BIOS, but I, I ultimately ended up voting for Many Saints here because I think uh, culturally speaking, The Sopranos has such a big footprint that that is going to be interesting to a lot of people. And I think Chris's comment about Tom Hanks dying in the first 10 minutes of BIOS <laughs> rang really true to me. I feel like that's probably going to be right. And yeah. it's just going to be weird. Caleb Landry Jones wandering around the wasteland. For two and hours. I, I think that's probably true. So I think that's why I changed my vote right. at the last minute. If Ben loses, if Bios loses his number one champion, then we're it's definitely not making this list. <laughs> All right, so Bios gets cut. Guys, you had 25 films. I'm gonna read them. <clears throat> A Quiet Place Part Two, Wonder Woman 1984, In the Heights, Tenet, Last Night in Soho, West Side Story, Dune, The French Dispatch, Mank, Soul, Eternals, The Personal History of David Copperfield, No Time to Die, The Invisible Man, Death in the Nile, Candyman, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Rebecca, Ryan the Last Dragon, Coming to America, Fast and Furious 9, Halloween Kills, Birds of Prey, Top Gun Maverick, and The Many Saints of Newark. By the way, congrats, guys. We got five out of the 25 are original stuff that isn't based on anything. Oh. <laughs> that sounds so sad when you put it that way. I, I don't know. I thought that was that. higher than I was expecting it to be, so. You know what, guys? This is a this is before we even talk about, like, you know, festival discoveries, what we see at Sundance or South By or Fantastic Fest. Like, this is all stuff that's, like, bigger studio stuff. So we're going to find a lot of little movies to champion. But in terms of big films with release dates, this is a really cool list. Except for Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish we could put How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World on here again, just to spite you, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. But you know what, guys? Uh, this was our one of our shorter writers' rooms. Only two hours? Yeah. <laughs> two hours. I'm I'm happy with this list though. I think I like this list is pretty good. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. List. All right, Peter, how will you sign us out? Yeah, uh, and and by the way, after this, we're gonna all rank these and send them into Jacob, and then that list is gonna be turned into a top twenty-five list in a certain ranking based on all our votes that will be up on the site. So you'll want to check that out. When is that gonna be on the site, Jacob? Uh, current plan is Friday, but we'll see if we need a little more time to push it to Monday or not. So look for Friday or Monday for publication on that one. Okay. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast, SlashFilm Daily, published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com and tell us what movies did we not even mention on this podcast that should have been included. Uh, Please rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.